Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. Welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest and Ireland. We are super excited to have our Irish Bitcoin Maxi community on board and they're going to share about what's happening in Ireland and Bitcoin and about Ireland in general. It's super interesting island with a lot of history. So really interested to hear about both the place and about what's happening in Bitcoin. Globe Bitcoin Fest, we are a crew of plebs. We started giving away free sats back in 2021 in Spanish in Central America. We started with El Salvador, we did a couple of spaces, Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela, and we formed a little chat group doing this for fun, trying to orange pill people with free sats via lightning. And then one day, one guy suggested, hey, let's do a 24-hour non-stop Twitter space when El Salvador goes live with the law on the 7th of September in 2021 and it was a really crazy idea because we only had six days to prepare this but we tried and that's when we came up with the name global bitcoin fest and the concept and everything was formed in six days and we did 24 separate one-hour sections with bitcoin communities from all over the world tuned in and they came and shared their stories about what they're doing and it was a great celebration it was really interesting and exciting to hear all these bitcoiners from all over the world share what they're doing and so we decided hey let's try to do this once a week feature one community every week and uh, see if we can do uh, the whole world all countries and maybe some more community specials and uh, that's what we've been doing with almost at 50 countries now and we are gonna continue until we get up to all the almost 200 countries in the world so today we are meeting the ireland bitcoin community so excited to meet you all and we are going to kick this off with a little song raglan road by luke kelly a beautiful song about love and risk taking if irish music had a soul this would be it by patrick kavanaugh dublin bitcoiner chose this song on raglan road of an autumn day I saw her first and knew that her dark hair would weave a snare that I might one day rule. I saw the day. Fallen leaf at the dawn of day. So beautiful. 
And uh, watching the video for this song, the guy looks like you would expect uh, many Irish to look like. He has uh, red hair, red beard, looks like a Viking playing some special instrument. Hey, Dublin Bitcoin, you want to add any comment to this beautiful tune? We actually went out to a dinner recently with a few Bitcoiners and we drove down Raglan Road. Myself, Mio, which is Mick, um, James and John. And we actually had a chat about this song. James, do you recall it now or is it still something that you don't remember? Yeah, no, it's familiar now. Thanks for asking me like that. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out in front of all these people. No, it's good. Don't worry about it. I, no. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it's a lovely song and it kind of, it touches a place in my heart, something that uh, my grandfather used to always sing these Irish songs, so it's uh, something close to my heart. Whoop, whoop. So let's do a round of uh, introductions. I'll start. I'm Lucas and uh, I'm a Bitcoiner properly since 2021. I had a long shitcoin path starting in 2013 i uh, found out about bitcoin checked it thought oh that's so expensive let's buy something cheaper so i bought some litecoin on a virtual world and uh, i thought that was also maybe too expensive so i bought feathercoin which hardly exists anymore which was the most cheap shit coin you could buy and uh, then i forgot about it for the next four years and in uh, 2017 when i got kicked out of my company I had some time on my hands traveling East Asia and I looked into Bitcoin again and decided, okay, let's try to have 50% in Bitcoin and maybe I can do some other stuff. And um, fast forward, I basically got really confused by the block size wars, went all in on shitcoins, lost 98% of everything uh, in the upcoming years in the beer market and uh, had a real distaste for Bitcoin until 2020 sold the shares in the company that I founded in 2010 and uh, had to think about how to save responsibly. And the last thing I wanted to do was to buy Bitcoin. I didn't want to touch crypto at all. And um, I looked at stocks, bonds, investing into startups, whatever, uh, gold. And I realized that everything looks really manipulated and difficult. And uh, actually the only asset that looks safe to store wealth was uh, Bitcoin. And uh, then Michael Saylor started ranting about Bitcoin and uh, a lot of others. And then the bull market came. And in 2021, I got my head bashed in by great Bitcoin maxis here in Twitter spaces and became a maxi myself. And um, I started doing these spaces together with others. And uh, this has been my contribution to Bitcoin. I also have started uh, a new company that's not launched yet for the past three years, been developing an email client uh, so that we can send email easier. And I would plan to integrate uh, Bitcoin into that in different ways so I can orange pill people while they're sitting and sending email. And that's it. That's my story. And uh, let's go next with Dublin Bitcoiner. So uh, to make it a little bit easier, my name is Gary. Um, my story about um, how I got into Bitcoin. I got into Bitcoin, I can't remember if it was 2015 or 16, but it was the day before the Bitfinex hack. Uh, I remember so clearly because I put my money in and the next day it halved. Uh, everybody thought that actually Bitcoin was hacked when in fact it was an exchange, but uh, they were the times. A few years went by. 
Uh, I didn't touch the Bitcoin that I had. Of course, that shitcoining. It's a rite of passage, I think, now in the industry. You find out what works, what doesn't work. Um, so shitcoined a bit. Uh, 17, 18 bull run. Again, like yourself, Lucas, lost a lot of money. Uh, well, I made a lot of money and then I lost a lot because of the bull run. It's one thing kind of um, generating wealth. It's another thing keeping it. After that, bear market, I just uh, dollar cost averaging in slowly, slowly. And that's that's really it. I started up the Bitcoin meetup, Dublin Bitcoiners, in January. Well, I started it in December. I, uh, I've been looking around for a meetup for a while, a Bitcoin-only meetup, and there wasn't one. So uh, after a few drinks at Christmas, I got a little bit of Dutch courage in me. Um, started a website, told everybody I was going to do it, woke up the next day, and because I told everybody I had to do it, I thought, right, let's do it. So started it, and the last Saturday of every month, sat Saturday, being uh, the most logical thing to do, uh, we started one up, um, and I'm really glad that we did. Uh, met some really interesting people, had some... Uh, I, I talk to different Bitcoiners around the world nearly every week. Just random people getting in contact with me, wanting to just chat, uh, which is great. Uh, I've recently been in contact with uh, the guy who runs the Glasgow uh, meetup. So he's organizing a kind of a nationwide meetup. Um, I think it's in June or July. I'll be heading over to that. But uh, other than that, I think I've rambled on enough. That's my story. Thanks for co-organizing this and bringing all the great plebs here. And with those words, let's hear next Irish calm. Cheers, Lucas. Thanks, Gary. Um, so I'm James, uh, just to make it easier as well. And um, I got into Bitcoin a few years ago now. I've experienced my first cycle. This was my first cycle. The bull market and the bear market it really teaches you something because on the way up, you or at least I did, I developed some kind of God complex thinking I'm a genius, you know, we're, we're going to the moon, super cycle, 400k by the end of the year, and then it all comes crashing down and your mates laugh at you. And yeah, it happens, it happens. But no, I'm, I'm still a Bitcoin maxi. Because as you say, once you understand it, you, you don't lose that knowledge, you don't lose the understanding. So if anything, I've been stacking all the way I stacked at the top, and I've been stacking all the way down. Uh, now it looks like we're coming up again, I'm still stacking. And um yeah, so I'm a big believer uh, in Bitcoin, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll address the accent before I move on. Actually, I, I am Irish. Well, I was born in England, but I've lived in Ireland for most of my life. So I'm an Irish citizen. I spoke a little bit of Irish because I was Irish ed educated, but you know, I'm Irish in almost every way apart from where I was born and the accent. I just thought I'd address that. So if anyone's confused of why I sound English, but um, yeah, I'm excited to have this discussion with you guys this Sunday night. Um, it's always good to talk to fellow Bitcoiners, like-minded people. So thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks. Thanks, James. Hey, uh, next, uh, John. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for putting this on. Um, everybody involved. It's, it's awesome to participate. So yeah, a little bit about myself. I think it's kind of similar. I'll probably end up repeating a lot of what everyone said already because we all go through the same uh, the same process. But uh, originally got into Bitcoin in 2013, dabbled around for a while, set up wallets, ran a node, did a few things, 
dismissed it, moved on, came back in 15, 16, dismissed it again, moved on, came back in 17, got sucked up into uh, ICO fever and did a lot of shit coining, got absolutely wrecked, came out the other side in 2018, a hardened maxi. And, um, and it's been an amazing journey ever since. So a little bit more about my background. I'm a graphic designer, graphic designer, web designer, UI, UX. I've been pretty much like freelancing my whole life. And, uh, I moved to Canada from Ireland um, in 2009, and I lived there for 12 years. And that was kind of where, obviously, like my whole Bitcoin journey took place. And I was lucky enough to get jobs working for Canadian Bitcoin exchanges. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about Bull Bitcoin, verify a few others up there in Canada. And I was doing UI UX design, doing some design for those, working on a contract basis. And getting paid in Bitcoin in uh, 2018, 2019, and um, needed to figure out how to send an invoice because they wanted professional invoicing. And I was uh, new to all of this. Uh, and I tried to set up a BTC Pay server. I was running one of the original Casa nodes in, in late 2018, early 2019, I think. Trying to set up BTC Pay server, expose the URLs, get the invoices out. And that was just a mess. It was a nightmare even for somebody like technically minded. And so I always had this idea in the back of my mind that I was going to build an invoicing app for freelancers. But it took until 21, um, 2021 and the start of all the COVID nonsense to, to basically get, get my act together and figure out, all right, I'm going to do this. So I built that. And then in late 21, I left Canada and I ended up moving down to Austin, Texas, um, which is pretty much the, the center of everything Bitcoin right now. And met a whole bunch of absolutely amazing people down there, uh, investors, other founders, just plebs, developers, everybody, all sorts of people. And they really kind of inspired me to like just take the take the company a little bit further. And so that's how Zapright was formed and and basically uh, ended up setting up a company down there in the US and working on that for the last uh, 13, 14 months down in Texas. I'm now back in Ireland for the last six months waiting on work visas and stuff to go back. But uh it's been, yeah, I mean, that's my journey so far. And it's been an amazing experience getting to know like the Bitcoin scene and everybody involved back here in uh, in Ireland. Similar to Gary, I've been looking for a Bitcoin meetup in Ireland for a long time and, you know, trying to send tweets out and emails and contact people to see what was happening and nothing was really going on. And then I saw Gary's tweet uh, in, in December, January, whenever it was. And I was just like, hell yeah, let's go. We need a, we need an Irish Bitcoin meetup. And so I actually just like sent some sponsorship money from Zapright to, to get it going um, or help get it going. Cause really Gary's just done like a hell of a job getting that off the ground. It's just been phenomenal. The amount of, uh, amount of work that guy is doing. So props, uh, props to Gary. He's orange pilling uh, everybody in Ireland. So uh, phenomenal job. But yeah, absolutely stoked to meet Gary, uh, the rest of the crew at all the meetups and everything. So uh, it's been it's been great so far. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll there. Thank you, John. Quite an international story there. Okay, Amy. Yeah. Hello. Hello. So I got into Bitcoin in 2015, 2016 as well. Um, I'm actually Gary's little sister, so he's the one that got me into it. Uh, obviously, I'm a good bit younger than Gary, so it was my pocket money going in. But I just trusted it, trusted him, trusted the cause, and I was a little bit more background kind of stacking than Gary. So uh, I just kind of followed his advice in regard to like hodling. Didn't really get involved too much with shit coins. Just huddled, 
and stacked all my paychecks and that's just what I'm still doing with it stacking every paycheck that's it such a luxury to have a brother that forces you to stay pure so you don't have to go into shit <laughs> wasn't by choice trust me did you try and he he like ranted at you so I was obviously a little bit younger so I just wanted to get rich quick like scheme so similar to yourself kind of looking for the like penny stocks almost, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street kind of vibes. And uh, thank God I had him to steer me the right way and trusted him, trusted Bitcoin. And here we are today now. Nice. Okay. Thank you, Aimer. And um, you. we have Mio. How you doing, guys? Gary, uh, a Bitcoiner, he is my inspiration for Bitcoin as well. And um, I'm relatively new to crypto. Uh, I started dabbling in bits and pieces in 2020 and uh, hadn't a clue what I was doing. I'm, I'm a good bit older than Gary, so I'm in my 50s. Uh, but Gar- I knew Gary was a Bitcoiner. He's a bit of a local legend around the area uh, when anyone talked about Bitcoin. So uh, I, I actually rang him up uh, around August 21 and um, I just said, Gary, What's the new the new Bitcoin? I said, because Bitcoin's too expensive. So that was the start of my education. Gary first had to let me know that there was actually Bitcoin was broken down into a hundred million uh, Satoshis. So that was the start of it. He recommended uh, some podcasts and uh, some books to read, which I did because I was going on holidays and I was looking for uh, some good um, reading and listening. So yeah, so. 2021, I started buying. But all the, I started buying at 42k, went up to 69k, and promptly went down to 15k. Uh, proud to say, I bought all the way up, all the way down, and I'm still buying at the moment. So I never, I, I, I dabbled a tiny bit in Bitcoins, uh, but uh, thanks to Gary, he's led uh, me in the right direction. Uh, so I'm Bitcoin all the way. I don't dabble in anything anymore. So thank you, Gary, for the, the education. And he, he, he stared me right. But it's easy when you understand what you're buying. You know, you, you, you've no uh, panic stations when things aren't quite going uh, right in the fair term because you understand what you have. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. So that's that's my, my Bitcoin story. Thanks, Neo. And uh, do you also uh, do anything in Bitcoin uh, or you stack mainly? I mainly stack. I run my own business. So I'm open to being paid in, in Bitcoin, but um, it's been elusive so far. Uh, we haven't got enough people, you know, the, we haven't got enough people on it yet. So that's what we're working on. Uh, but yeah, I'm open to being paid in Bitcoin, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay, great. And what kind of business is it, if you want to reveal that? Yeah, it's a, it's a paint and decorating business. I'm self-employed since uh, 1996. As I said, I'm in my 50s. So, um, yeah, it, it's going well. We're, we're, we're always very, very busy. I think I've walked through uh, three recessions at, the, at this point. And I'm still around to sell the tail. I'm looking forward to the first time I get paid in Bitcoin. Great. Well, yeah, I stack. I, I, I mainly stack. Okay, great. So if any Bitcoiner wants to 
get some help, they can buy the services from Mio. And Amy, I forgot to ask you what you do in Bitcoin. Do you do anything in Bitcoin as well? Yeah, so I co-own a business. I co-own two businesses, actually. And in both of them, we accept Bitcoin. And then I'm also a personal trainer. And I also accept Bitcoin in Dash. Similar to Mio, I uh, haven't received any personal training payments in Bitcoin. I have a coffee shop outside of the place where Gary holds his meetup. And I always get paid in Bitcoin there for the coffee. But that's great. Okay, awesome. And one of the two businesses is the coffee shop and the other business is something else? Yes, so the other business is a gym. Uh, We also accept Bitcoin there for memberships, but hasn't happened yet. So you just have to trust Gary to keep spreading the word and then eventually it will. Okay, awesome. So uh, that was the stories of our local Bitcoiners. Let's uh, just quickly cover our co-hosts and co-global Bitcoin festers that are here with us. Uh, We have Mary, our super awesome Nigerian Filipina world traveler. Uh, She's uh, a fan of games, Bitcoin gaming, lightning gaming. She does a podcast, uh, which is called the Knobcast. She works with Bitnob. Uh, she does way too much stuff. Uh, I believe she's one of the most busy people that I know in Bitcoin. Always hard to reach her. Mary, you want to add anything to that? And thanks for uh, finding Dublin Bitcoiner and organizing this. Oh my gosh, you made me look bad. <laughs> but I made I made it to the Twitter space, so which is good. No, nothing extra to add. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Lucas. Thanks, Mary. And Victor is a Slovak Bitcoiner. He is uh, also a big traveler. He traveled to India, spent time in ashrams. I met him in Ruatan in Honduras, where there's a free private city called Prospera. And he was part of setting up the Bitcoin community there with uh, Amity Age, uh, is what it's called. They have their own house there. And I saw Victor Orange Pill people in person. He's a very effective Bitcoin educator. He was onboarding the Pristine Bay Resort. He was onboarding uh, their front desk. And uh, yeah, it was quite impressive. Victor, do you want to add anything? Mm, Thank you. That was very nice. Very nice introduction. Thank you. And Victor also edits the podcast afterwards. Great job. Okay. So with those introductions it's time to move into history of ireland a very very rich history but before we do that we do have another song rocky road to dublin by luke kelly this song captures the atmosphere in an irish pub oh yeah now, if you want to learn English properly, you've got to be able to sing the chorus of this song after, one, after hearing it once, okay? It goes like this.
over the bars Fighting all the dogs on the rocky roads And double them one, two, three, four, five Hot the hair and turn her down the rocky road All the ways to double and white for Lolita In Mullingar that night I rested him So here he started by daylight This morning late and there he took a drop of the moon To keep me hard from safety That's the party's cure Whenever he's up for drinking the hair The last he smiled Whoa, powerful stuff. Hey, uh, Dublin, uh, Bitcoinery, or anyone else, add something to this, please. That's an hilarious version as well, because yeah, as you, you can see from the video that the, the guys are really drunk in it and he actually sings the second chorus twice and you can see in the videos them looking at each other and just shrugging away and carrying on so it's a, it's a really good video and uh irish pubs to my understanding is a concept worldwide it's been ex it's tried to be replicated worldwide oh yeah replicated being the key word there lucas i don't think it's been achieved mary you sent something into the group the other week about um an irish uh musician playing in vietnam was it no it was in the philippines so it was yeah, a I group yeah. of irish um tourists who came to the philippines and it was their last day so they gave space for one of them to start playing music and i was like yeah this is what i know irish people to to be they're such a fun bunch and the minute lucas played that song i was like yes this is this is totally the vibe <laughs> you recognize it immediately then 100 percent. like and did, did you do no a little dance when you heard it I mean, I couldn't stop my feet from moving. So very close to me standing up and doing a dance. <laughs> well, it done its job then, didn't it? Totally. Okay. And um, let's talk about Ireland history. It's a very rich history. It goes way, way back. And I thought I'll kick it off with some um, facts from early Ireland history I asked my father, who's a 77-year-old Bitcoin historian and archaeologist uh, specialized in the Viking Age. Uh, he had some things to say about the Irish. The Celtic culture uh, was spanning uh, all of Europe or large parts of Europe at some point, uh, all the way down to the Portuguese, the West Coast, the North Spain and all of uh, France, basically, or Gallia, and um, down to the Balkans, and it was uh, all over. They uh, basically managed to make their way because they were such great metallurgists that they made uh, iron. And um, one number my father mentioned was uh, that they produced at some point millions of tons of uh, iron in some uh, smelting place in uh, Central Europe. Anyways, um, the Romans were quite active. Um, they started uh, conquering parts of Europe and um, after having had a really tough time with the uh, uh, British uh, Isles, um, or do I say uh, UK, 
they decided that they're not going to continue into Ireland. So Ireland became this preserved island of Celtic culture. So the Celtic culture has really been preserved in Ireland, uh, whereas it's been much more mixed on the continent. And uh, apparently the Celts uh, learned also to make coins uh, from uh, the Greeks. And uh, there's uh, a rich uh, coin uh, history as well with uh, the Irish peoples. The Vikings uh, came to Ireland in the uh, 7th century and uh, set up settlements. And one of the only remaining successful settlements were, uh, was actually Dublin. And the Vikings stayed there until the 11th century. And they came from Norway. So there was some intermingling there between the uh, Scandinavian Vikings and the uh, Irish Celts. And um, then the uh, British came in uh, the 17th century and uh, basically invaded Ireland where uh, the independence was uh, stopped for a couple of centuries until it became independent again in uh, 1921. And um, between uh, the 17th uh, century and uh, the independence, there was a great famine. About one third of the population was uh, starved and another third emigrated to the US, but also other parts of the world. So a large portion of the uh, gene pool in North America is Irish, actually. So very dominant culture. And um, maybe if somebody wants to, um, if if not some older history, if you want to share some uh, more recent history with us um, after 1921. Oh, I wanted to add a couple of things before um, anyone hops on. Like an interesting fact um, is that Ireland um, or the island of Ireland it was actually the most educated part in the whole of the UK. Um, in fact, like education didn't get to what we know as England not until like several centuries. So they knew how to do a lot of record keeping. So they're like the smarter ones in the UK. <laughs> so that's something, definitely something to be proud of. The, the way I think of Ireland and education is the way um, the Greeks were honored in the area of education. Um, so that's how like educated the, the Irish were. In fact, the knowledge that spread to the other parts of the UK came from Ireland. So that I just thought that would be a very interesting thing to add. Yeah, actually, the uh, Druids, I think, were the uh, knowledge bearers back in the days, the Celtic Druids, uh, the mythical Druids. They uh, had a very long education, uh, 10 up to 20 years of just studying uh, and uh, getting educated. And they were very central to politics and uh, the justice system and other parts of the Celtic uh, culture. Unfortunately, they didn't keep uh, records about their own knowledge. So very little uh, is known about the Druids, except that it's been written about them by other historians like Caesar to mention the, uh, uh, the Druids. And um, over to you guys. Uh, and by the way, Ireland is not part of the UK, Merit. 
Okay, I've got something, right? Newgrange. If if some of you guys haven't heard of Newgrange before, I'd really recommend uh, looking it up. It's basically this Grand Passage tomb built 3002, in 3200 BC, and it's older than the Egyptian pyramids, and it's located in County Meath. Yeah, so I recommend Googling that. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Newgrange is pretty cool. And on the winter solstice as well, the sun tr- shines straight through the passageways right into the into the heart of Newgrange, which is it's a it's a sight to behold. I've never seen myself, but it's it, it's on the list. Something cool about the Vikings. I think it was the Vikings. Now I might get this wrong, but I believe the name came or the name of the town Dublin came from kind of where the Viking sailor ships in. And when they sailed the ships and they, they arrived at this big black pool and they settled there. Um, and this black pool became known as in Gaelic or Gaelge as in uh, Dove Lynn. So that's black pool. So that's where Dublin comes from, which is uh, really cool. Then, yeah, I, I, as you said, kind of the, the Vikings arrived, I think it was seven to eight uh, century. The English rule, I believe, started in the 16th century. I think King Henry VIII declared himself the king of Ireland. And uh, Ireland came under English rule. Uh, What else? Uh, You mentioned that Ireland uh, won its independence in 1921. I thought it was 22, but I could be wrong there as well. Yeah, it is twenty-two. That's about right? it. Yeah, right there. It is, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sure is. I just said, yeah, it sure is, and it was Strongbow that came over and helped with the the invasion with the Normans. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the twelfth century, wasn't it? It sure was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, kind of coming on to kind of uh, since nineteen twenty-two, kind of modern independent Ireland or the Republic of Ireland. It isn't part of the UK, although the six counties up north are still uh, part of the UK. That's Northern Ireland. And some say that we'll have a referendum in the couple of in the next couple of years for Ireland to become kind of one again. I'd like to see that happen, obviously, but uh, we'll see. Um, other than that. What uh, caused the split between um, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland? What what happened there? Michael Collins went over to negotiate, and Ireland was vo- involved, kind of from the early nineteenth century or the nineteen hundreds. Sorry, um, in a kind of a guerrilla. Well, they 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 started kind of um the fight for independence, and I I think it was about uh, nineteen oh five when Sinn Fein was established. And then kind of um, it led up to the 1916 rising where um, that was a real turning point. And one of the songs that I actually included, The Foggy Jew, it actually tells the story of a lot of people were conflicted in Ireland and um, whether to go and fight in World War One or stay and fight for Irish independence. So you'll hear that song if you play it. Uh, it's a really good song. After 1916, the violence escalated, led by Michael Collins and uh, some other people, uh, Eamon de Valera and that. Uh, I think the British rule asked for a ceasefire, home rule, and it was negotiated that 
the 26 counties and the six counties up north would be broken. And I, I believe it was more so to do with there was a lot of plantations up north. So there was a majority of kind of uh, English Protestants up north. But I'm not a historian. I only kind of touched on this lightly. So don't take everything that I say as gospel. And more recent, more yeah, recent history, um, say uh, the past few decades, uh, anything happening there? Uh, I remember there was a very... Uh, the- ira right yeah yeah so so like ireland was generally uh, quite poor um after its independence i think from kind of uh, the 1920s to probably about the 1960s where there was kind of a the first celtic tiger the economic boom and then it went through a kind of a period of uh, recession in the 80s and 90s and then a resurgence of the Celtic Tiger and then it was hit by the 2008 crisis the housing but in, in terms of kind of like the, the troubles itself that was in the period of 1960s up until the Good Friday Agreement in 1998 um, and the troubles was just the name given to um, uh, the kind of the, the ongoing war between kind of two different religions up there and um, the protestants and uh, catholic communities uh, the ira was originally formed i think back in the the early 1900s as well um and, and one of their ways for kind of fighting for independence was through violence and then again there was a kind of a resurgence up north of uh, the ira up until the good friday agreement where a peace treaty was signed both that that seems to be in a little bit of kind of uh, trouble at the moment with, with the ongoing kind of brexit split and the tensions are starting to kind of rise again but uh as i said don't take my word for it that's little bits that i've kind of taken do your own research don't trust verify right i, I kind of remember the that time 1998 i was really young then and i remember watching tv with my parents and saw like there was this huge disagreement between the catholics and the protestants at that time so yeah what the minute you mentioned it it just brought this flashback of that was all over the news i remember the same it was uh, constantly covered a lot of troubles but in recent years it's all been just positive news about ireland basically um i have one more thing there's like ireland beer culture um so how did that happen in in history like what took place for sort of ireland to be sort of associated with these amazing irish pubs and what was the history behind that it's cold and it's miserable in ireland so everybody just sits around and gets drunk mary well, we actually have the oldest pub in Europe, <laughs> so that's kind of why. Do tell more. Do tell more, Amy. There's not a lot on it. It's, uh, it's called like Sean's Tavern or Sean's Pub. It's in Athlone and it started operating in like the year 900. And yeah, so nice. it's just been going all the way through. But I think it's definitely like a contributor of what you said. It's cold and it rains, so you want to sit inside. <laughs> wow. From the nine, ninth century. Okay. Um, also, we have a comment from Jaime, who's one of our Global Bitcoin Fest uh, crew members. Uh, there's a book called How the Irish Saved Civilization. Apparently, uh, the Irish translated many scientific, uh, religious, and literature works. And uh, when 
through wars, all these texts were burned and destroyed. So the Irish had copies of the text which were able to be recovered. Maybe that was also part of what Mary was referring to with documenting history. And uh, with that, it's time for another song. And uh, this song is Whiskey in the Jar by Thin Lizzy. If you haven't sang the lyrics, Whack of my daddy-o, there's whiskey in the jar. You haven't been to the right parties. Mm-hmm. Dublin Bitcoiner says, and here we go. These tunes are pretty powerful. Do you want to add anything, Dublin Bitcoiner? Not much to add to that. It's just a great song. It's just a great song. It's an amazing song. And let's talk about Ireland today. Who should kick this off? Um, let us hear some juicy facts about what's happening in Ireland. Who should start? Oh, I, okay. I'm going to jump in by asking a question. So, you know how March 17 is St. Patrick's Day? So how is it actually typically celebrated in Ireland? Like, could you just paint a picture of what it looks like? So uh, just St. Patrick's Day gone, I went into the parade uh, with the two kids and it was just so busy it was uncomfortably busy especially along uh, the parade route we got trapped in a uh, kind of it's not a mosh pit but it was just a lot of people standing pushing couldn't move anywhere but generally everybody's in a great mood uh, there's obviously a lot of drink flowing and um, smiles in everybody's face there's a lot of tourists the parade itself is fantastic if you do have kids do get there early, get a good spot. It, it, it's quite, quite the sight. What is this uh, celebration about? It's uh, the, the celebration of kind of uh, St. Patrick, him coming over um, and kind of spreading Christianity to uh, Ireland. So they, they arrived in Ireland, when was it? What? The first few centuries. Uh, I'm not sure when it was the the fourth, fifth, or sixth century. Uh, so yeah, so he arrived over and just kind of developed a kind of a unique brand of Christianity. And as Mary said earlier, because they came over 
and they developed this kind of unique brand of Christianity. It kind of it did become the kind of almost like the center of Europe for kind of learning and culture. Um, some of the kind of uh, the, the artwork, like the Book of Kells, which is held in Trinity at the moment. I'm not sure if you guys know about it, but it, it seems to be world renowned. It's actually it's actually um, written on sheepskin, and that was considered almost like a money back in the day. So very expensive book. And the apparently the the Irish became Christians very early. The early what do you call it evangelists that came were kind of surprised that the Irish were were almost Christian already when they came. So there was the... yeah. Well, one of the things is like. St. Patrick is actually um, English. So everybody associates St. Patrick with being Irish when in fact he was English. He came over and he spread Christianity uh, Christianity through Ireland. And of course, uh, according to myth, he chased all of the snakes out of Ireland. Okay. So uh, on the subject of parties, you mentioned that you decided in a party at night that you're going to do these meetups. There's some story about you guys in a car and uh, hardly uh, remembering it. So it um, seems like there's some, uh, some uh, yeah, great partying going on, right? Yeah, well, uh, not a lot of partying. Like the, the, the meetup that we were at recently, we went out for a meal in um, a restaurant called Chow Yo, and they accept Bitcoin. So obviously we had to go there. Um, Paid in Bitcoin, which was great. Then we went out for one or two Guinness, and then we headed home. That the whole story about kind of creating a meetup. I had a little bit of Dutch courage in me over Christmas. That was a glass of mulled wine or two. I'm not a big drinker, so it's 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 not a big thing for me. So Guinness, you mentioned, and mulled wine. What what are those? You you do know what Guinness is, Lucas? Do you? Yeah, I do, but. You have to tell me. You do. You <laughs> and mulled wine. So what is Guinness for those that don't know? It's just an Irish stout. And what is an Irish stout? Just think of it like, 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 like almost like a beer. But it's almost like a meal. Yeah, it can be very filling, all right. Good for bulking season. Okay. And this wine that you mentioned, is that a is that an Irish wine or it no no it's, it's just a a wine that gets heated up over christmas to a nice temperature and it goes down very well ah okay it's like glue wine but is it d- done differently in uh, in ireland or is it same tradition as the same tradition really i think okay okay so glue wine is a wine that you heat up and you can put almonds in and stuff like that for christmas that's it yes yeah Okay, and um, what what else? Uh, yeah, tell us something more about Ireland. Uh, something more about Ireland. Um, are the stereotypes are the stereotypes true? Like they're leprechauns in Ireland. <laughs> A lot of people have very funny stereotypes about Ireland. So, like, how how true are they? Yes, the the leprechaun issue here in Ireland is is actually getting out of control. The they actually uh, live in hedgerows and when you walk home late at night they do jump out and bite you so it can be very dangerous that was a joke man (laughs) (laughs) 
at least you don't have snakes anymore. So yes, yes, absolutely. Right. Banshees. And the banshees. Banshees and the Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the banshees, Mike? Uh, Mick. <laughs> oh, the banshees are when you when you're very drunk and when you're in your twenties and you're coming home and uh, you're not sure what you're coming home. With. <laughs> <laughs> ah, them are the banshees I see right so right so we actually uh, I, I've had somebody request uh, one of the guys that's I, I'm in a telegram group with um, I'm going to bring him on yeah it, the, the guy's name is uh, Rich and Glasgow so just uh, just a little context for Glasgow and Rich we're covering uh, Ireland and yeah. the Irish Bitcoin community. So if you have any story about Ireland or the community there, or if you have any questions, please chime in. Uh, we heard about you, Glasgow, that you're going to do a, a meetup later. So that's super cool. Please hang around, Glasgow Bitcoin. And uh, did Rich have anything uh, that Rich wanted to, to add to Ireland today? Good question. Um, the only thing I was thinking of adding was when you asked what St. Patrick's Day was like in Ireland, uh, when the parade is over, someone described it as, as it becomes like 28 days later on the streets of Dublin. And I was walking through Temple Bar, which is a fairly famous area of Dublin, um, especially it's it's quite a touristy area this year on St. Patrick's Day. And that's a very accurate description. There's drunk people everywhere, but it's uh, it's great fun. It's great fun. But um, other than that, um, no, I don't have a huge amount of that. But um, it's good to hear the chat going on. Good to make some contacts with people across the world. And... Um... What about the food in Ireland? What what do you guys eat? Spice bags. Yeah, we kind of we kind of take a little bit from everyone. We don't. We kind of have some traditional Irish meals, like what would you say? You know, a lot of uh, quite a lot of cabbage. yeah, bacon and cabbage is cliche, but I think we kind of we kind of do quite a good job of taking the best from everywhere else. So we've got we've got a lot of great restaurants from all over the world. We kind of do. We kind of do a bit of everything. There isn't a huge amount of Irish food, so to speak. I'm Irish. Well, my my yeah, my mother is good for some Irish dishes. Uh, an Irish stew, coddle, Colcannon uh, on Halloween. They're kind of three Irish staples that have kind of reoccurred in my diet. Uh, month in, month out. Rashes and eggs. Rashes and eggs, of course. The the <laughs> fry of a Sunday morning. Yes, yes. What is that? Uh, wh- white pudding. What What exactly is that, Amy? I, I'm not sure. I know there's like white and black pudding. I know there's pig's blood and black pudding. And white pudding, I think it's just like mushed up pig, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a lot nicer okay. than it sounds. And then black Elegant. pudding is the same with like yeah. pig's blood in it. So there's loads of mm. iron in it, I suppose, but yeah. It's delicious. Mick, can you weigh in here? Um, black pudding is maybe a superfood. Uh, full of nutrients and vitamins and all sorts of great stuff. White pudding, I think as Amy said, it's, it's washed up pig. Um, Most yeah. up pig. <laughs> um, Very coddle, nice. Coddle is a, is a staple diet. Irish stew, yeah. A Cody K at Halloween. We used to get the money put in it. And that was also good. And don't forget the Eggs, eggs, beans, and chips. When you come eggs, home, beans, still uh, yeah. for your lunch. <laughs> and now a spice bag. I think. Uh, well, yeah. Chips and curry. 
seem yeah. to have uh, become a staple of Irish diet now as well. Yeah, I, I think in the broader sense that we, we've moved on and, you know, we've, we've adopted a lot of the foods from all over the world. And, you know, we, we've got all sorts of restaurants here that we can go to and recreate at our home. So whether it be Italian, Chinese or whatever, you know. So, but we do. We have a few staples, but they're kind of dying. They're dying and the Irish people are kind of coming posh. <laughs> so Ireland? Yeah, I, I was listening to a good podcast about Biden's visit here and it was kind of saying that, you know, a lot of Americans, especially because there's a lot of, there was a lot of emigration from Ireland in previous generations, they have a quite an, an ancient view of Ireland or kind of, you know, an old fashioned view of Ireland of what it's like. And I think the country is quite different. It's not all, that's not all gone, but it's a, uh, it's quite a different country than I think most Americans would would think about when they think about it in their head. It's quite quite socially progressive, um, and yeah, it's generally generally a good place, I would say. And uh, the comment socially like, progressive, yeah. um, I understand that in the context that <laughs> Ireland was was known for being very very conservative before. Yeah, I, I use my words carefully there, but socially progressive, I suppose, in, in the with the definition that that would generally attract. Um, so I suppose we legalized, we, we had uh, constitutional referendums in the last 10 years for gay marriage and then for abortion. So uh, we've kind of come full circle and we're probably probably on paper one of the more progressive countries uh, in the world now, even, even in Europe, although we're probably still lagging in some ways. We're, we're due to have a, a referendum uh, later this year to remove we have a reference in our, in our constitution uh, that says that the, the state recognizes and vindicates the role of a woman in the home um, so we're due to have a constitutional referendum to try and get that removed this year so that's been in the constitution now for almost 100 years which is probably fascinating to some oh Neil. Rich, what's the consequences of that uh, it's 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 largely it's largely symbolic i mean i mean of course I, I suppose everyone will have different views. I, I mean, I think most people these days would agree that it, it shouldn't necessarily be there. Uh, you could argue that it hasn't done a huge amount of harm other than kind of symbolically. But I think it's one of those things that will be a bit of a, I mean, I think it's almost a bit of a waste of money to have a referendum on, on that alone. It was announced on International Women's Day, but we, we, we'll we see. Um, they, they, may, they may use it as a chance to have another, to, to vote something else as well. So. I think it's a largely symbolic gesture at this stage because it doesn't really it doesn't really have any legal effect that would be hugely noticeable these days or, or, or indeed it never really had. So it's kind of just a bit of a um, symbolic thing. I'm actually super obsessed with Irish names. I just love names that have interesting spellings and different pronunciations. Like it's just so cool. So for this space, I actually came across some inter interesting names that I dare say are Bitcoin inspired. <laughs> like there's Taran, which means thunder, and Milan, for, which means lightning, and Sersha, which means freedom, and Dylan means flash of lightning. So if anybody's pregnant here expecting a child <laughs> and you're looking for Bitcoin inspired names, the Irish have them in loads. Like um, A new Sersha would come up. A new Sersha would be mentioned. <laughs> are like are are these um names majorly Gaelic or like they have Celtic origins? Like every time I see an Irish name, they're like spelt in a very different way. And if you make an attempt to read them in the way you read English, it, you're just gonna completely fail. Like, what's the origin of those names? 
I couldn't tell you, Mary. I'd be completely I'd... bluffing if I tried to speak on that as well, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was going to just add a funny anecdote that you, you might know Saoirse Ronan is a fairly famous Irish actress, but about once every year, Irish people get universally upset and angry because the British news media try to claim Saoirse Ronan as a UK actress when she wins, inevitably wins some sort of prize and the whole country was, gets up in arms about it. It's kind of almost a bit of a common and la- uh, laughable occurrence at this point. So there you go. But is the Gaelic language like phasing out? Like aren't there people in Ireland who speak Gaelic anymore? Oh yeah. So so the, the levels of Irish that are actually spoken in Ireland is, is quite low. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually significantly lower than you would have in like Wales, um, there are pockets of what are called Gaeltucks, um, which is, you know, pockets of Irish speaking communities. They're more common in the west of Ireland, um, but they're they're relatively small. Um, they're relatively small patches these days. And I mean, you know, Irish is still taught in all primary and secondary school. So all students have to do it until they leave secondary school, which is, you know, 18 years old for us. But I would say the overall level of Irish is, you know, maybe maybe half of people can speak quite a bit of Irish, but probably... Uh, this is a complete guess, but maybe ten percent or fifteen or twenty percent of people can speak, could have a conversation in Irish. So it's it's been dying out for a long time, but I think it has had some sort of resurgence over the last kind of couple of decades. You know, so it's not, it's still hanging in there. Is probably the, the most scientific way to put it. Neo is about to. There is, there is a yeah, there is a resurgence with uh, the Irish Gaelic schools. Like all, all my children, I've three children, and they're fluent in Irish. And if they don't want anyone, they go out with their friends. If they don't want anyone to know what they're saying, they speak Gaelic. Because they're all fluent and all their friends are fluent. Um, I'm not sure. I think Gary could be fluent as well. Gary and Amy. I could be mistaken. I speak better when I have mulled wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, similar you to your kids, you know, we've talked in Irish and it's a great way to speak about the people around you without yeah. them getting too upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My daughter was telling me that uh, when they go out and they're chatting and they want to be private, they'll speak Gaelic because predominantly all her friends all went to Gaelic school, you know. And then on the Irish names thing, there's a lot of uh, silent letters in the Irish language. So that's why the, the pronunciation is different in that kind of way. So you can't read it like you'd read English generally. Yeah, it strikes me like a, a language that may have inspired Tolkien a bit because uh, it has this vibe of ancientness or like, I don't know, uh, this, this mythical vibe. I don't know why, but um, okay, let's move on to Bitcoin. Uh, just um, some quick facts about Ireland. Um, Ireland has a population of 7 million people. It's uh, largest cities, Dublin. 1.2 million people-ish. And uh, anything else to add on the quick facts? They have 30,000 castles. In what? <laughs> I, when I saw the I'm number, I was impressed. Yeah, that's quite that's quite the number. Um, 7 million probably includes, that includes the North as well as the, South, the Republic of Ireland, Lucas. So that's, there's about 5 million on in, in, in the Republic of Ireland, which is obviously the state of ireland and then you've got another maybe one and a half or two million in the north which is part of the uk so that's probably the most consequential geopolitical issue about ireland is the the split on the island obviously part of it is still part of the uk and am i right in saying that the population hasn't recovered since uh, the great famine 
in uh, 1845. I believe yeah. we had a population of about what was it, eight and a half million. I think it was. I think it was about eight million. Yeah. So still, it's still below the population mm-hmm. level back then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty insane. I think I think a million dead and a million or a million or two emigrated. We're loose with the facts and figures tonight. Yeah, it went it went from eight million down to four million, apparently uh, over a few decades there. So uh, having of the population, not as positive as a Bitcoin having. Da da dum. And uh, <laughs> with those words, let's hear another tune from Ireland, and uh, it's called "I've a Horse Outside." by the Rubber Bandits. Blind Boy the Artist has a very popular podcast and is a born Bitcoiner. He just doesn't know it yet. Dublin Bitcoiner shared those words with us. And uh, let's hear. And I don't need insurance. I don't need no parking space. And if you try to clap my horse, he'll kick you in the face. I don't pay no tax. Fucking safety. Since he was a fool He runs a bit like Shell Girl And he jumps like Tillman Og He looks like Billy Piper After half an hour's cook And the boys are looking jealous As I lead you one away And just before I close the door I look at her and say Won't you be my girl And she says I will of course If you grab me by the ponytail And ride me like a horse yeah. Fuck your hand and say Because Oh my god. <laughs> Jump in. Well, what a wonderful song, Lucas, am I right? It's uh, it's wonderful. The video too. It's a pretty funny. It's actually from a spoof show or like a comedy show that's on um uh, RTE here. And when it when it kind of aired, it went viral around Ireland. And it is mainly for the comedy factor. It's actually, it's very funny. And as I said, Blind Boy, the guy who, who the artist in the song, he hosts a podcast. And uh, I believe he's a born Bitcoiner. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, I was laughing uh, all through the video when I saw it. it highly recommended for the audience. Uh, by the way, if you're tuning in here, uh, the music is shared in the um, tweet, in the original tweet, it's a tweet thread, and all the music is there. So you can find it, you can listen to it, you can put it in your YouTube playlist and just enjoy Irish music because it's awesome. We got a comment here from Jaime that said, I'm loving the music in this space. Good selection. Okay, 
we are now at Bitcoin history in Ireland. And um, Gary, you mentioned that you uh, were around for a, a long time ago, uh, let's say in Bitcoin history, uh, you're one of the OGs, I, I would guess. Would you like to kick off and tell us a little bit about how the early days were in Bitcoin in Ireland? Uh, who were the early Bitcoiners and things like that? Hardly an OG, Lucas, but um, yeah, I have been around. I, I, I've been to kind of Bitcoin meetups in the past when I was kind of quite naive about Bitcoin and, and still shitcoin. And so nothing really stuck. None of the faces really stuck. Chatted with people. Uh, we talked about different things in the space. But as I said, I, I was shitcoining at the time. So, so Bitcoin wasn't at the forefront of what I was thinking about. Uh, John, can you weigh in here at all about the early days in Ireland on Bitcoin? John, did you have any friends here in Ireland during the early days that that were into Bitcoin? Of course, there was there was some. I'd say there was some that were like interested, but none that really were like you know interested enough that they would have been going to meetups or trying to start meetups and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm probably the wrong person to ask about, um, to ask about the early Irish Bitcoin scene, um, for sure. But, you know, I just know that, you know, over the years I've tried to maybe like keep in touch and every now and again, I'd like Google and see what's going on in Ireland. And I was always just being like bombarded with a lot of crypto stuff, um, especially during 2017 at the ICOs and stuff. It just seemed that there was a lot of, a lot of shitcoin stuff going on in Ireland. So yeah, I mean that's pretty much about all the knowledge I have on on the last few years. Maybe somebody can add more more flavor to that. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, not the best source of uh, of Irish Bitcoin history. I mean, I mean, I think we're I think we're still in the early days. Unfortunately, uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't in in the space years ago, so I can't add much more than that. But I, it kind of feels like we're getting only getting some traction now and kind of getting momentum. Okay, and are there any uh, Bitcoin companies that were around uh, for a long time? Um, I, as far as I know, I think there was a company called uh, Bitcoin, and I think recently uh, it had some sad news that one of the founders passing away. Bitcoin is the only one that I I really know, um, that that's more of a kind of a, a cryptocurrency exchange, as far as I'm aware. Um, other than that, I know there's a, there's a few Bitcoin ATMs. I paid for some Bitcoin. Uh, the first Bitcoin that I bought um, was with a company called GSM on Abbey Street. And went in and paid cash for it, as I said, the day before the Bitfinex hack. But um, other than that, no, I, I don't really know a lot of history about Bitcoin in Ireland. Bitcoin was seems to be the kind of Ireland's major exchange, and it does Bitcoin and, and crypto. And and as um, as Gary said, there's there's been some sad news recently with those guys. But um, other than that, one uh, very good news story. If if people might have heard of Skilling Digital Mining, um, it's run by a guy called Mark Morton. So if you haven't already, you should give that a follow on in, on Twitter. But it's a it's a fantastic. Uh, maybe you want to come to this later, Lucas. But it's a fantastic, innovative company. Um, that they are coming up with all sorts of innovative ways to mine in an Irish context where energy prices are quite high. So you would have traditionally thought that it would have been impossible and kind of futile, but they have mining con containerized mining solutions whereby they co-locate with anaerobic digesters on farms and, and places like that, which have, you know, a high cost 
to produce an energy source which will then be stranded for much of the time so then they can recoup some of the costs through mining. Um, so that's a very exciting um, venture. And, and Coin, I think Coin Telegraph did a very good kind of 12-minute video about that recently. So I'll share, I'll try and find it and share on, on the group, but it's well worth a watch and you get to see some Irish cows and Irish fields. So that'll probably be a cultural experience in itself. Awesome. Was there any major uh, scams that uh, ravaged the uh, poor uh, uh, shitcoin uh, enthusiasts uh, in uh, Irish history? Something like OneCoin or something like that? No, nothing comes to mind, really. Just the same shitcoins as always. May- maybe some of the kind of the, the, the top 10 ones, like XPR comes to mind. I can remember there was a, there was a coffee shop I can't remember what street it was on, but he opened a, a kind of a cryptocurrency coffee shop with gains that he got from XRP. And you'd walk into the coffee shop. It was very small. Coin market cap was on the TV, uh, but uh, I, it, it's gone now. So it obviously didn't do too well. Or he was still holding his funds in XRP. I don't know. Uh-huh. I just remembered one actually interesting fact from the early days of Bitcoin that has a, an Irish connection, which I totally forgot about it. And I just Googled there to, to refresh my, my memory. But there was actually in, I think it was 2011, there was a lot of interest around a 23-year-old Trinity College computer science postgrad here in Ireland um, called Michael Clear, who everybody at the time believed was Satoshi Nakamoto. He gained a lot of attention. I don't exactly know why. Obviously, he was a computer science postgrad, but um, for some reason, he was uh, he was singled out by by U.S. technology researchers as as Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, so he had to actually publicly come out and and uh, and disprove those, or at least uh, at least deny those claims. But um, yeah, very interesting uh, to see that even you know back in back in 2011, in the very early days, there was um, there was obviously some you know, Bitcoin connection to a lot of the computer science postgrad students in in Dublin. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'd be very interested to like learn more about that and see if there's still, you know, an active there's obviously probably still an active community. Um maybe they're a bit more a bit more anon and cypherpunk these days. But uh yeah, I thought that was just an interesting one to bring up. Satoshi Nakamoto is Irish, apparently. You heard it here first. Whoop whoop. And with those words, now when we know that Bitcoin originated in Ireland, it's a solidified fact at this point, because everything that is said in this space is true. We have another song, Zombie by the Cranberries, a powerful anthem for peace inspired by events in Northern Ireland that never fails to stir emotions. Here we go.
I used to sing this song all the time, biking down the streets of Uppsala, where I'm grown up in Sweden. Uh, it's such a singable song. Anything you want to add to about the song? It's not as well known as Horse Outside, but uh, it's definitely a classic. It's amazing. I love this song. And uh, we are going to kick off Bitcoin in Ireland today with our eminent guest, Amy. Uh, Amy has a lot of stuff brewing. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the stuff you are doing? I don't have too much stuff brewing. It's uh, mainly with the help of Gary, if I'm honest. Uh, so, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, I own two businesses, co-own two businesses at the moment, both accepted Bitcoin. Um, I do help Gary with his meetup when I can, where I can. Uh, I'll be helping him at the next one at the end of April. Um, so, yeah, kind of, that's just it. I'm just continually stacking up the stats, trying to orange fill my friends. I have been doing so the last five, six years uh, to no avail. I've orange killed my boyfriend, luckily. So he's finally on board with me and he's he's got enough education from Gary and then listening to me harp on at him that he's finally all in on it too. Um, and then, yeah, just going to keep pushing with the businesses, trying to get them more um, widespread in regards to accepting uh, Bitcoin. And... Same with the coffee shops, ideally. We'll have a number of them, accepting Bitcoin all around the country, making it a bit like a Bitcoin hub with Gary's help, of course. So that's the plan. That's all I have going on. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of unfolds in the next couple of months. When did you start to accept uh, Bitcoin? So in the coffee shop, we actually only started accepting in and around the time when... Gary started his meetups and that was just more so with Gary's help with kind of uh, accepting just lightning transactions. In the gym, we've always accepted it and it just hasn't kind of cropped up. Uh, we accept it in-house for kind of anything, but it's just not something that was really on at the forefront of anybody's minds when they were coming in to pay. I think now... Bitcoin gets a lot more coverage, whether that be good or bad, it's irrelevant. More people know what it is now, even when I'm talking to my friends that don't have any interest, they've at least heard of it. So in that regard, I think it will start being accepted more and kind of used more. But yeah, we've accepted Bitcoin since uh, we opened the gym four years ago, um, the last couple of months in the coffee shop, and I've always accepted it as a PT as well. What was your first transaction? When did somebody pay for the first time in Bitcoin in the gym? Uh, in the gym, we haven't had someone pay uh, yet for a membership. In the coffee shop, it was, I think I actually made Gary buy coffee <laughs> to double check that it was working. So it could have been a, a cappuccino, that's what Gary likes, and a protein ball, I'd say. And then since then, every meetup, we, we always get everybody paying with Bitcoin. So it's great. That's amazing. So basically, you have a space where the Bitcoin community can meet. Uh, do you also, I don't know, do you have the Bitcoin literature there and Bitcoin art there as well? No, no, I wish. It's, it's small. It's just outside. It's in like a car park, basically. So it's just small at the moment. Um, 
if I had more space, it would be bigger and there would be more literature and there would be more of a comfortable hangout area, I suppose. But at the moment, it's small. I'd love to have them. You can check it out. It's on uh, Instagram, Argoon Coffee. So don't hesitate in kind of getting in contact or if you're local in the area, drop down and pay with Bitcoin. Give them a follow even. It's Just very good coffee as well. Say the name again, guys. It's Agawan Coffee. That's a very Irish name. <laughs> Agawar. That would be rude not to. Can you make a tweet so we can tweet this out and put it in the thread uh, about Ireland so that people out there can go and check it out and pin it to their Google Maps? One of, one of the things that we do, Lucas, is uh, we're, we're trying to increase the circular economy. And if you visit the Dublin Bitcoiners website, you'll see that there is a number of businesses on there that accept uh, Bitcoin. Um, Amy is one of them, of course. Uh, Mio, the painting and decorating is another. But there's a whole list there. So maybe if we can uh, share that page, it'll be all of the businesses uh, that accept Bitcoin might get a little bit of publicity. Yes, that would be great. Please do a tweet, share it on top, and uh, we will tweet it out right now. And Amy, uh, just out of curiosity, um, was it hard work uh, to uh, onboard your boyfriend? Uh, did you have to make an ultimatum? or? Um, uh, no, I think he's listening now. So I think it's safe to say he... Uh... He was quite taken with me, so I could convince him to do anything, I think. Um, so, no, he's very, he's very open-minded and he's always eager to learn about everything. He's very inquisitive. So he had heard me speak about it. Gary will speak about it to anybody that listens. Uh, so then Ryan, I think, felt more comfortable asking me more questions about it um, because he didn't want to look stupid in front of my older brother. So then I kind of was just telling him, just that we're kind of a maxi family and uh if he wants to be a part of it he'd want to be a maxi too and uh he he was so straight away then <laughs> that sounds kind of like a soft ultimatum <laughs> uh, can i ask a question yeah go ahead i i was uh i was speaking at the bitcoin conference in dublin last year and uh there was a girl in the audience who asked me a question. Um, she said, why do you think there are so few women in Bitcoin? And I think if the hundred and uh, there could have been 150 people there and there were seven girls in the audience. And, you know, that, that does seem to be some sort of representative thing. So without opening a whole new can of worms, uh, I think Amy's the first person I've heard of in real life who has been the female trying to orange pill her boyfriend and her brothers and, and whatever else. My experience has always been the opposite. Um, so, Amy, what you know, what's that like? <laughs> um, and And... What reaction do you get? Because I just, I just, it's very novel for me to come across. I hope that doesn't come across in any way sexist. I'm sure it doesn't. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, it's funny because I'm like, I'm 26 now. I was a good bit younger, 2015 when I got into it. So, and I have quite a young face. So I think people almost thought I was a bit of a puppet maybe. Um, I know I've had a few problems with the bank. I spoke about that one of Gary's meetings that uh, I was trying to buy Bitcoin and they pulled me in and they're like, who's coercing you to buy this like who told you to buy this and I was like no no like I want to buy it myself and they're like no 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 we understand if someone has control of your money I was like no it's me um so I think you poor, you poor misguided little girl <laughs> I know I know that's what someone who's clearly had a gun to my head because uh, I couldn't do my own research but um yeah it's funny it's 
it's funny I went to an all-girls school as well so I did try to get all my my friends on board but they uh, they just yeah to be honest they kind of hit the nail on the head and like or they hit the nail on your head I suppose with what you're saying that's a nail dominated area they're like is that not for like you know just kind of men and like computer geeks and stuff uh I do find that even at like Gary's like meetup uh I think people were surprised to see like myself and my mom there so it's 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 funny it's a funny experience uh I suppose sometimes people think you lack a little bit of credibility when you're younger and a girl in kind of bitcoin space maybe because I think I do think that like uh People that are more experienced in Bitcoin can sometimes be a little condescending to like when when they see you're younger and then a girl. Uh, I hope that doesn't come across as sexist. But yeah, so I'm enjoying it. I, I, anything I'm unsure of then as well, I just ask Gary and he always points me in the right direction and he'll be the first one to correct me too. So it's great having that backup behind me knowing that. I don't need to do I, much pointing anymore. She's far yeah. surpassed me. No, not at all. Like it's just... It's always nice to have backup there, and especially my big brother. So he'll bash anybody that's mean to me too. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, geez, that's super. A super answer. It's great to get an insight into it because it just seems to be, for whatever reason, so rare. And I, I see my obviously Mary is there as well, but it just seems to be really rare. And the only reason I could think of to answer that that lady who asked the question was my anecdotal experience just shows me that girls don't seem to be as interested for whatever reason I, I don't know what it is but I, I mean the eye rolls that I get off my sister and my mum far surpass that that I get from my dad and my brothers so that's my anecdotal yeah. experience yeah I do I get you I guess um I think it's also a little bit of fear factor as well with girls kind of coming into the space just because like with pop culture and stuff sometimes things can be a bit exasperated that it is like these nerdy guys that are going to correct you the moment you say something incorrect which isn't the case and I haven't experienced that but I think that maybe image is perpetuated a little. So it makes it a little bit intimidating to enter that space. I'm not easily intimidated though, so it's okay. Are you are you calling us guys all in this space nerds? I'm just I'm just kidding. Um there's another yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is another there's a there's a Bitcoin conference, a full day conference in Dublin, if it wasn't mentioned already, on the twentieth of May this year. It's been run by Dinny Collins, if anyone knows Bitcoin with Dinny. Um so that should be that's that's full day event and Greg Foss is headlining it. So that should be good. Whoop whoop, Mary. Amy, I have a question. Um, what if you were to talk to like the women in Ireland? What is one thing you would tell them about Bitcoin that you feel they should pay attention? That will make them pay attention to Bitcoin more. I know it's different from country to country, so I'm curious uh, what you would use as a way to like get them interested. And um, to be honest, I wouldn't even use, like, there's nothing that I, like, we're all, like, Bitcoin maxis here, so I'm not going to get into the, the pros of Bitcoin. What I would use is kind of just, a great example would be, like, Gary's Meetup, that it is a friendly space, and it doesn't matter if you know everything about Bitcoin or nothing about Bitcoin. The people that are Bitcoin maxis and are interested in Bitcoin are there to help you and educate you. They're not there to condescend to you and preach at you. Um, so it's not an intimidating space to get into. So that's kind of what I try to tell everybody that it's not something that you should be nervous approaching. It should be something that's really enjoyable to learn about and then evolve your way of thinking uh, about your future, about your the way you save, about the way you spend. But that's besides the point. But yeah, what I really try hammer home is that it's a really welcoming space and in my experience. Um, so that's what I would say to any kind of girl that's considering or hoping or nervous about getting into it. And so far since 
you know, Gary started the meetup, have you noticed like a increase in the number of women interested in Bitcoin? I know they're very small, but like, have you seen a steady increase in a way? I wouldn't say we've seen like a huge increase. I know uh, kind of more people are bringing their partners down, uh, which is nice to see. And we've had like a couple of ladies come down, not every week, but a couple of the times that Gary has hosted them. Um, so yeah, I think it's just one of those things you have to keep persevering with and eventually you'll either be on the train or you'll miss it. And women don't want to miss things, do they? So uh, I think eventually we'll be able to get them all to our way of thinking. This is super awesome. I have one final question, Amy. Do you use um, a Coin Corners Bolt card? Because uh, that's a company that's on Isle of Man, which is not too far away. Uh, are you using that semi-local solution uh, also in your in your uh, coffee shop? No, no, we're not using anything like that at the moment. We just kind of use the line and transactions via like Blue Wallet and we use ZapRite, of course, uh, with John being here. He listens to my flack at uh, every, every Bitcoin meetup. So for any of my invoices that I'm producing or anything at all like that, uh, we use ZapRite as well. Super awesome. Okay, Amy, so happy that you could stay on. Amy has to go to bed early because she has uh, a lot of business. So thank you, Amy. Do you want to do you want to add a comment before you hop off? I say thank you so much for having me uh, and for inviting us on and for making it such a nice space to be able to speak in and having so many great people participating. And then, of course, thank you to Gary for beginning my Bitcoin journey for me. Thank you, Amy. And uh, with those words, I want to move on to the meetup and what uh, Dublin Bitcoiners are is doing. Uh, Glasgow uh, had a um, question about that. So maybe you uh, you start with a question and we listen to uh, Dublin Bitcoiners, Gary. Hi there. Yeah, that'd be great. I was just, and I was actually, while you were speaking there, I was on uh, Gary's Twitter page and I was looking at it was a, a cool video you put together of I think it must have been one of your latest meetups and it, it looked really interesting you seem to have a good amount of people turn up and I was really just interested to find out more about that journey and how you got there and you know how maybe, maybe how people found you or how you managed to find people to come along and uh, any problems along the way and just, just as I say just love to know more about that journey it was a terrifying experience. Why I say that was I wasn't really comfortable uh, standing up in front of people and talking. Um, I was very nervous about that. And that's why the Dutch courage was needed over the Christmas with a bit of mulled wine. I thought to myself, yes, I can do it. Um, and on the lead up to it, there was kind of moments lying awake and night in bed, fight or flight moments thinking, I don't really need to do this, do I? But I, I'm so glad that I did. And um, for the first, now, uh, something that might have been pointed out, this meetup is still very young. There's only been three meetups. 
So the, the first one we kind of chat about kind of a general knowledge, uh, Bitcoin wallets. The second one, um, I brought down my node. I showed everybody how the node works and we discussed a little bit more about nodes. And uh, the most recent one in March, we discussed hardware wallets. Um, generally, the turnout was was quite good. And all as I done for them three was advertising Twitter. Now, uh, the first one, I think we had about uh, uh, 20 odd people. And of them 20 people, I think it was uh, five five women at that one. I think at the, the second one, uh, we had about 15 with two women. And then the most recent one, I think was about 15 again with, uh, with three people. Is there anything else that you want to know? To be honest, that's, that's pretty impressive like that the amount of people you've had turn up. I think the one in Glasgow had been going on for a few years with somebody before me who originally started it. And I think they found that numbers really uh, varied just depending on the actual price of Bitcoin. So maybe that's something you might notice as well that I've hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm touching all the wood around me that we're, we're entering a, a real bull run here that, you, you know, you might find you get an explosion of, of interest well, one of the things I was quite keen to do was was if I was going to start a meetup, it was going to be during uh, the the bear market, where prices was was going down or was going sideways. I didn't want to kind of start introducing people to uh, Bitcoin at, at the highest. Although I do find if you kind of not not educate but point people in the right direction, like like Mick has been great for this. Me and Mick chatted about this back in 2017. And if you ask him, he, he'll say, why didn't you tell me about Bitcoin back in 2017? I did tell Mick about this in 2017, but he wasn't. <laughs> Isn't that right, Mick? Huh? Very true, yeah. Very true. Yeah. I wasn't open but, to it. I just, yeah, I wasn't open to it. So, so when, when people aren't ready for it, they aren't ready for it. But when they are and they're prepared to do their own research with, with Mick, when I see the price going down, and I know Mick has been buying on the way up, it, it kind of, it, it kind of, it washes over you a little bit. Thinking, I, I've informed people about it now. I never said buy, but you know they're kind of almost directly influenced with you uh, saying it. But Mick has done so much research into this that he continued buying on the way down as well. And, and and that's what I think is so important is, the, is that continued education so they don't start panic selling down at 15 grand after they bought in at a 42. So I just wanted to mention there, sorry, that I've been really impressed by the fact that, you know, you do focus on, you know, the education, the, the understanding of Bitcoin, because a lot of people do get into it. They see it as a, you know, a, a, a speculative asset, something to make money on. And that can be great when things are going up, but when things are going down, just having having uh, you know the, the patience and taking the time to really understand what Bitcoin is. It sounds like the, the meetups that you've had is something that you you know you've promoted that, and you know that's uh, I think that says a lot about you and your meetup. Well, thank you. That's uh, very nice. One of, one of the things that we also tried to do is uh, we, we tried to have a little bit of fun. So in, in each one of these meetups, we had a game. Uh, the first one, we split uh, everybody into two teams and we had a lightning relay race. 
and the people at the end of the the relay race obviously won and on, on uh, through the relay race myself and john we sent everybody uh, we sent the first person i think it was i, I think it was eighty thousand sats and as they kind of progressed down there was nine on each team and as they progressed down they kept ten thousand sats for themselves and they passed on the remaining that was very fun we did have a little bit of trouble with kind of connectivity in the gym it wasn't great but it was it, it broke the ice and it made everybody kind of get first-hand experience and have a little bit of fun uh the, the february's meetup we had a game related to bitcoin mining i won a bitcoin bottle on twitter um i, I told them i was going to give it away if i won uh, and when i won they sent it across to me so i i played a game uh with everybody that was there just like mining Mine pretty much uh, guesses a number, and the per and and the correct kind of miner that guesses this number gets the block reward. And I just got everybody to guess a number, so I, I got a, a kind of a, a random number generator. I turned off the screen, generated the number, and everybody got a guess between one and fifty. And we went around three or four times, and then eventually somebody got it. Then they got the bottle uh, as a prize, just like the block reward. And the most recent one we've done was, uh, we called it a treasure grab. So uh, uh, we showed everybody at the start of the meetup how to uh, download a wallet and how to restore a wallet and send a transaction. Then I had a wallet with uh, a certain amount of funds in this wallet. And then I re uh, revealed the 12 words and the, the quickest fingers that could restore the wallet with the 12 words, got to keep the funds. And something important that I need to know as well is ZapRite sponsored all of this right through. And ZapRite got in contact with me when I had 26 followers and asked me, did I want a sponsorship to do these things? So I, I don't think we would have been as successful or had as much fun if it wasn't for ZapRite. Uh, with that said, we're, we're going to, uh, with the next April, meetup we're actually doing a treasure hunt so we have a geyser page and um, which is donations at the moment we're up to about 450 euro which is about 1.6 million sats and the treasure hunt involves uh 24 riddles what what uh, what will happen is at, at a certain point say uh, i think it's at uh, one o'clock i'm going to release 12 riddles on twitter uh, and these 12 riddles will bring you to a location in our local park here in Dublin called St. Anne's Park. When you solve the first riddle, you go to that location. And at that location, there will be somebody standing there with a riddle. When you solve that riddle, that is the first um, seed word in uh, the sequence of 12. When you get them 12, you'll be able to restore the wallet and take uh, the 1.6 million Satoshis that is in uh, the treasure hunt. So trying to keep it fun is uh, is really important. It's really inspiring to hear the details of how you're thinking about it. And the uh, uh, does it take a lot of time to, to prepare those games? Yes, my, my wife considers herself a, a Bitcoin widow at this stage. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> So, so sad. Okay. Um, any more questions for Mr. 
Gary and Dublin Bitcoiner about uh, the work he's doing. Uh, very inspiring. So my question is like, what is that thing that really gets the people who join the meetup very excited about Bitcoin? Um, I know a lot of people, when you show them like how lightning works, it literally blows their mind. But I'm curious to hear what were the first set of reactions um, from your meetup. I think it's um, the ease of use, how you can just go onto the Play Store or the App Store, you can download a wallet and start receiving funds immediately. And knowing that them funds are controlled by you and you alone, I think that's very powerful. And a lot of people that are interested in Bitcoin, I believe they already have a healthy distrust of the government as well. So it's something that you can hold uh, only you can hold. I think that's that's very important. And One thing I, as well, uh, I just want to mention um, that I noticed from the first meetup in January was uh, after we handed out some sets to everybody and got them set up on a wallet, um, and they went outside to to Amy's uh, coffee, and everybody was buying coffee with the lightning. There was a few people that was their first ever lightning transaction. Um, and I could just see the excitement on their face. Like it was, they were just blown away by it. They were just like, I received these sats like 60 seconds ago inside the gym. I walked outside and I bought a coffee and it was just, you could just see they, they understood it. Like they, they knew that something like really powerful had just happened. They might not have got it like deeply or fully, but it was just to see that reaction on their face that like, wow, this is, this is like huge. This is something that like I never contemplated before. So, you know, having these businesses like, orange pills and, and selling coffees and selling like, you know, dinners and restaurants and different things. Obviously, I'm, I'm just a massive proponent of of circular economy. I think, you know, the huddle meme, as great as it's been for like a long time, we just need to actually start spending and using Bitcoin right now or else it's like useless. So having that having that interaction uh, and, the, and the place for people to actually spend it and use it and, and seeing like what it does to them. Uh, I think was really cool as well. So that was one of the first things I noticed at the at the very first meetup. I have a question about the uh, family, the Bitcoin family concept. Amy said uh, we're a maxi family. Um, are the parents as well? Uh, if there's any siblings, is everybody a Bitcoiner, or is it like shut up, don't talk more about it? Everybody's a Bitcoiner, and everybody's a Bitcoiner. And how is that? How, how, yeah, like, do, do you have dinner conversations about Bitcoin often? And your parents obviously must be in the 70s or 80s. What do they say? My, my parents are actually quite young. They're, they're still in their 60s. So they, they, they get it. They get it now. I did harp on for a few years about it. And my, my father's first response to, uh, myself talking about it in 2015 was fuck off you with your magical internet money so that's the re reject, uh, reaction that i first got and um, but it, it's been a kind of slow uh, process over time and yeah yeah we talk about it all the time nice yeah i talked with my father about it but um i haven't really gotten to the rest of the family very efficiently i hope uh, maybe you can you can teach us how to do this correctly. How did you? How did you? Well, have you sent them some sats, Lucas? Yes, I have. Yes, so uh, by uh, by a lightning as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that that generally kind of kickstarts it for me. But then I, I I suppose just kind of observing what's going on in the world with the money printing recently and stuff. That's where it kind of really kicked home or, or, or hit home with my parents is that they're just printing more and more money. They have no idea what they're doing. I was going to say, if the if the easy demonstration didn't work, you're going to have to go into macroeconomics and teach them why the fiat system is bound to crumble and fail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't the easiest task. My mum once said to me, she said, okay, explain to me why Bitcoin is important, but don't criticize the current system. That was a bit of a checkmate. That was kind of like... That's really funny. Actually, my, maybe I, I didn't put enough attention to it because my mother is the, the fastest uh, one to get Bitcoin that I ever talked to. I, I, I started explaining it and after two or five minutes, she's like, no, no, they're fucking us again. What the fuck? Not really those words, but it was kind of that because she's Polish and she experienced a lot of... Uh, bad stuff happening back in communist Poland and uh, there was a hyperinflation in the 80s that really uh, people suffered from so she was very fast to get it um, maybe I didn't put enough attention to it after that and I've been out of the country out of Sweden for many years so uh, maybe I don't get the uh, dinner conversations that that could be a, a natural place to talk about it anyways enough about uh, me and uh, more about you guys Rich, you mentioned that there's a Bitcoin conference happening uh, in May, and we haven't heard anything about you yet. Could you just say, say a couple of words about yourself? Because obviously you're in Ireland, you're Irish, and uh, then share a little bit about the conference. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not. I'm not actually organizing the conference. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, I'm speaking at it. I, I, I spoke at it last year, just at, at the request of Dinny, uh, who is who is organizing it. I don't have a huge amount to say to say about myself. I don't take my I don't take my opsec overly seriously, to be honest. But uh, I obviously have a pseudonym on Twitter, which uh, which allows me to feel freer to to shit post. Um, but yeah, so we, there was I think last May there was kind of the first. I wouldn't say it's the, Ireland's first Bitcoin conference, but it seemed to be the first big one. You know, where it was signposted in advance, and it was just it was about a it was about a two or three hour event, maybe a two hour event. There were three different speakers at it, um, Dinny, myself, and Mark Morton, who I mentioned earlier. And this one, this year now, it's it's going to be bigger. It's in the Green Isle Hotel, um, just which is just outside Dublin on the 20th of May. Uh, as I said, Greg Foss is, is um, headlining it, uh, which will be great. Myself and a guy called Charlie are going to talk about uh, the world on a Bitcoin standard. We're going to kind of take it kind of macro, talk about why the world on a Bitcoin standard would be a better world, why... Um, interest rate policy taken out of the hands of central banks and states would be a good thing. It would be an efficient thing. It would lead to a better allocation of capital and all that, all that, that good stuff. Uh, I think Dinny is going to talk about uh, Bitcoin and your pensions, um, which is obviously a big issue in Ireland. And then there's a couple of talks. Uh, there's a few other little. There's a few other talks going on, and then there's some socialising and uh, some drinks and stuff that evening. So that that that'll be great. So yeah, um, that's really that's the event in a nutshell. But it should be good. One thing about Ireland, actually, that I, I have quite strong opinions on, and I've wrote quite a lengthy article about it, is uh, that there's a huge property crisis going on in Ireland at the moment. It's like a housing affordability crisis. So I think it's going on across much of the developed world. It's, it's it seems to be a huge thing in a lot of Western countries. Um, and ultimately, the thing that frustratingly seems to be missed by everybody. I mean, this issue is talked about every day on the radio and on television and by everybody and all the economists. 
everybody chips in with their four cents worth. But what nobody seems to link is the broken money and how property has become a purely speculative asset and a store of wealth, a store of value, which you know I've kind of set this out quite quite in a quite lengthy way. But you know, it it, it creates a complete conflict of interest in people who are supposed to be making policy because they all own property, especially in Ireland, all the politicians own rental properties and um, declaring them as, as seems to be a bit of an issue for them. Uh, and secondly, then, when you have property tied to interest rate policy, I mean, what happened in Ireland is with what was known as the Celtic Tiger was our big um, kind of euphoric, good swinging times where everything was great. We were building housing estates to beat the band because interest rates were so low and everybody could get finance and it was property prices were going to go up forever. And then the whole the music stopped and we were left with ghost estates and you know too much housing and then development came to a complete standstill so so you know i, I think ultimately in ireland one of the most pressing economic issues and social issues which is really ripping the country apart at the moment like young people can't rent in dublin i mean if you, if you compare dublin to even like vancouver or you know cities in the us it's the rent is just extortionate here for for really bad accommodation so it's not an exaggeration to say it's ripping society apart and what a lot of people want to see happen is the government to step in and do more and build and you know start buying houses and which essentially just rolls the problem up even more because you know these problems are caused by too much debt and too much public spending and stuff like that. So anyway, sorry, that's an awful ramble and a bit of an aside. So my apologies for that, but um, it's just one of the things I happen to feel strongly about, and it's kind of why I think one of the reasons I think Bitcoin is so important. So anyway, all that stuff and more good stuff at the conference on the twentieth of May. Brilliant, uh, nice side rant there and. Do you do anything uh, in Bitcoin as well? No, I don't. To be honest, no. I I work in law as my as my main job. I, I come from a different background as well. So uh, no, Bitcoin is a complete hobby for me for the moment. But uh, just just passionate about it. I'm probably spending a little bit too much of my mental energy on it. But uh, it's obviously a worthy cause. Rich, do you accept Bitcoin? I don't. I don't. I've, I I'll be fully honest with you, uh, Gary. It's 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 just. It's I don't I, I don't know was that a serious question maybe it was, it was but it's, yeah. Um, yeah yeah no 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 it's it's kind of just it just seems to be still outside the Overton window of Irish professional life I mean it's I I don't know has it ever been discussed at a political level in Ireland is it ever given any serious credence so I suppose one other thing that I should say that's quite important is that there are a group of us who are I don't want to give anything away not that it's a surprise but we are launching. Uh, a network say that's very similar to the people may know that the uk bitcoin policy uk launched last week um, and we're launching something very similar it's actually been in the pipeline for a good few months now we've been doing quite a bit of work on it in terms of concepts and branding and that sort of stuff but it's a not-for-profit um to bitcoin policy ireland it's a, that's that's not the name but it's it's going to be called the bitcoin network ireland but we're hoping to launch that actually at the event in dublin if we can get the timelines right so um that should put a bit of a we're trying to put a bit of a, you know, a bit of a professional um, impetus, impetus in place, somewhat like the Bitcoin Policy Institute in the US or something like that. Maybe, maybe on a lower scale and a smaller scale, but uh, we're trying to have a bit of a go-to group where we can put a bit of proper research and content down and try and uh, get the ear of policymakers and, and people like that. So, yeah, we're trying to get that up and running. I don't do anything in Bitcoin and then you come with that. Funny. Yeah, look, once once somebody starts paying me for that sort of stuff, like <laughs> then I'll say I work in Bitcoin. <laughs> I think that's a while off. Yeah, but um, I think most people do things in Bitcoin without pay. Actually, there's there's not a huge market for paid Bitcoin job, jobs yet. Hopefully, that that can grow over time. But I I think just doing that kind of things um, 
organizing various things is that's one of the most important things. That's what we are covering here, right? Uh, we're listening to the communities and what, what they're doing. And you know, just orange pilling family, also an important thing or important task. One of, Lucas, one of the most important things that you can do for Bitcoin is tell everybody that you accept Bitcoin for your services. It's something that anybody can do that's interested in Bitcoin. You don't even have to just say Bitcoin only. Just put Bitcoin as an option. Somebody might see it uh, and then just think down the line. Actually, that individual accepts Bitcoin. Maybe I'll ask a little bit more and a conversation will spark. There's no harm in it. Brilliant. I think that's a great segue to Mio uh, accepting Bitcoin for services for uh, Mio's business. Mike, could you share with us how how that's going? Is it is the demand yeah, for look, paying in Bitcoin picking up? I, I personally think um, Bitcoin adoption is early days in Ireland and the more people that get involved and the more people that give people options. Like they'll, they'll see my invoices and they'll see accept Bitcoin. And as Gary says, it might spark a conversation. Um, I'm always thinking of ways, how can I promote it? Listen to everybody here tonight. Uh, I was thinking maybe I could give a 10% discount for Bitcoin, paying into Bitcoin. And that might encourage people, you know, that they're talking to, they'll ask you questions about it, that kind of stuff. So that's where I'd probably go, with, you know, with trying to promote it from the business end of it. Have you received any Bitcoin payments yet? I haven't yet. No, I haven't yet. As I say, like Gary has been my main mentor in Bitcoin. And since he started the meetups, you know, there's so much I didn't know about it. Uh, the Lightning Wallet, it's all sorts, you know. And one thing Gary told me in the early days was, there's no good thing as a stupid question. A stupid question is the one you don't have. So, you know, I, I, I have to really thank Gary for getting me, orange pilling me, and, you know, he, he basically told me to educate myself before I bought it. So, and that's why, you know, I've no sleepless nights. Um, the fear price of Bitcoin doesn't matter because it is what it is, you know. But, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be pushing discounts for people to pay in Bitcoin and hopefully it'll get people to talk. Okay. And you are, uh, are you, uh, a- Orange pilling your family now, or uh, is is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, your customers? No, no. I, I I try orange pill everybody, everybody that I meet. Like I, I was on a, I do a bit of triathlon, and I was on a training camp in Lanzarote with nineteen other guys, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I told them all if we bought a million steps, that I would reimburse them if it wasn't worth twice the money in five years. So none of them have come to me to tell me they bought it yet, but you know, anywhere I go, I try and always tell them. Uh, I bought three, three grand to the last meetup, uh, the double Bitcoin I made up. So yeah, I'm constantly at it. The wife, the wife just lets me, lets me at it. And you know, once we have enough money in, fiat money in the bank to buy, there's no problem there. I just buy. You see, you trust me. You said three at long? Three, yeah, I brought three friends to the last meetup. No, but triathlon. You, you said you're you're doing triathlon. Oh yes, yeah, triathlon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ironman. Mick is an Ironman. He's on a number of different Ironmans, and if you know what an Ironman is, you know how tough they are. Yeah. Okay. Mick, why don't you tell us a little bit about the distance in Ironman? 
4K swim, 3.8K swim, uh, 180K bike, and then uh, a marathon. Doing the work. Which I've got to train for. How long does that take you, Mick? Um, my best was just over 12 hours. Wait, you trying to do this best. every time you you do all that at once, like as part of the training? Some serious proof of work oh, there, Mary. No, I usually, like, I, I usually do about two iron men a year. But uh, you, you'd only, you know, you, you'd probably swim three times a week, uh, three runs a week, and three bikes a week. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. Walk. <laughs> you can range from off-season about 12 hours a week training, and then when, when you're getting close, you ramp up to about 17, 17 hours and then ramp it back down. Just another example how Bitcoiners tend to be extraordinary people. Not everybody does Ironman. I don't do it for sure. Um, so uh, I'm always impressed. It's uh, it's it's great, you know. I I would have been a heavy drinker, heavily involved in Irish sports for twenty years, and then I found endurance sports. And between endurance sports and Bitcoin, it just I kind of live a fairly clean life now. Okay, so triathlon and Bitcoin—that's that's what we should think of when we think of Mio. Uh, that's great. If you if you want to become a triathlete and uh, get the training in Bitcoin. Contact Mio. He doesn't have any program set up yet, but uh, it's being invented at this at this show, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I have a question for John. Um, actually, so um, really cool. You have um, Zap, right? I'm curious if there are other developers, you know, interested in building on Bitcoin in Ireland. Um, what would be like the terrain there in the area of like building for Bitcoin? Do you feel like there needs to be groups or maybe like the way they have uh, bit devs? Should they be bit devs there in Ireland? Is this something that young people would be interested in participating? Like, what do you think? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um and I was going to mention BitDevs, I mean, particularly in my journey moving down to Austin and just being immersed in the scene down there where they've got, you know, they've got two or three meetups a month that regularly get 100, 200 plus people. Uh, BitDevs being one, LitDevs being another, Lightning, uh, Lightning Dev Talk. They also have a new ABDC, Austin Bitcoin Design Club, which is all around design, UI, UX. Um, and then I was basically working out of uh, Pleb Lab, which was, uh, you know, the I think the world's first, maybe the world's first Bitcoin Lightning uh, startup accelerator. And so I was actually the first Bitcoin company in there to go through that that program in Austin. Um, and it's just immensely helpful to be surrounded by just other developers, other like-minded people who are trying to push the protocol forward, uh, trying to get their ideas out there, trying to like see if there's any take up on their ideas and how they can contribute in any way and it all starts by just getting involved uh you know it's, it's again proof of work the half the battle is just showing up so those meetups and those uh mini hackathons different events are hugely beneficial is is there a need for those in ireland i mean i, I would say yes i just don't know if we're at the stage where 
you know they would get much traction right now um maybe there is i don't know obviously i haven't i haven't lived here so i don't know what the development scene is like but certainly the they're like they would benefit for sure i would imagine because uh like i said hugely beneficial the amount of you know the amount of different people that just come through austin um every week every month to the different meetups and then they end up hanging out in the co-working spaces and you know before you know it two or three weeks later they're launching a startup and they're getting funding it's literally like how I imagine like Silicon Valley was in the in the 90s. It's just the dawn of this new amazing, amazing industry and, and, and protocol and space that people are just so excited about. And everybody seems to be gathering in Austin. There's other places. Nashville is coming up as well. Um, Rod and the guys at Bitcoin Park in Nashville do an amazing job. And, and more places, Atlanta and different places around the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely there's definitely an argument to be to be said that that this type of stuff needs to happen more, um, because I think we're at the stage now where we really need to start building the application uh, rails on top of the protocol. I think, um, you know, the protocol is strong enough. The idea is out there. We know the benefits of Bitcoin, the you know, the everything that's happened over the last few years has just strengthened the, the reasoning behind Bitcoin. And so. Yeah, I think the next stage is getting the developers, getting the builders to build these products and get their ideas out there, come to meetups, um, express their ideas, see what the reaction is, start meeting other people. Maybe you're a developer, you meet a designer or you're a designer, you meet a developer. There's always room to contribute. And so, yeah, I mean, those, those meetups are they're crucial and they're a great way for uh, to to get these applications launched. So I was recently in Taiwan uh, last weekend, actually, and I went to a BitDevs and there was a Taiwanese family of five sitting in the back. And uh, it was uh, a very advanced technical discussion going on between uh, one of the founders of uh, the um, this privacy wallet, uh, Andrew, uh, one of the Bitcoin developers, and uh, Jimmy Song. So they're quite technical. So I guess you need a strong technical community to 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 drive that. But John, uh, about your about your app, can you tell us a little bit what your app does? And then have you tried to do anything in Ireland in the past six months when you've been there? Have you onboarded any shops using it and so on? Yeah. So um, Zaprite, as I mentioned, I think at the start of the call, it was built out of you know a need I had myself as a freelancer to be able to invoice and send professional invoices. And so really, that's the focus of it. It basically just allows you, it, first of all, it's non-custodial, uh, no KYC. You connect your own wallet. You know, we'll have Expo been there pretty soon, but you can connect uh, your own node. You connect LND, LNBits, like just connect any, any like Umbral, my node, start nine, you're running at home. Or if you want to connect a third-party custodial app like Strike or, you know, Zebedee, any of those wallets, like you can connect those, uh, Ibex. Uh, and we just provide the merchant tools, the UI UX wrappers that allow you to to run your business on a on a Bitcoin standard. But we also have plugins for things like uh, Stripe. You can actually generate a hosted checkout where you've got Stripe credit card payments, Bitcoin on chain payments, and uh, Lightning payments, and you can offer all of those different choices to your customers. And it's mainly geared at the moment towards uh, professional invoicing. So like like one-off invoicing and payments. It's not really a kind of retail point of sale type system, although we will build in functionality into that later. And so the idea behind it is, you know, as as Gary and I think some of the others mentioned as well earlier, is that you, by just offering your customers, like just the option to pay in Bitcoin, 
once you get that in front of them and you keep repeating that over and over again and they start to see it and then we'll have tools coming in where you can say offer you know five or ten percent discount on bitcoin or lightning and maybe a three percent surcharge on credit card so over time people will start looking at that and go like oh wow what is this like bitcoin thing i can save like 13 percent here by just paying in bitcoin instead um and it sparks that conversation so really, it's just all about promoting circular economy, getting people to move on to a Bitcoin standard. And then, of course, we'll develop out a full accounting suite and reporting um, and all that type of stuff. So can people like actually, you know, see how their business is performing on a Bitcoin standard? So that's really the goal of it. But right now, it's just all about offering that hosted checkout uh, experience where you're you're connecting your own wallet. You're staying in complete control of the funds. Um that's the goal, improve the circular economy. Okay, that's super cool. And have you gotten any local business to sell the board? Right, okay, yeah, the second part of your question, sorry. Um, so, no, I haven't been concentrating on orange pilling local businesses, more so because Gary's just doing such an amazing job at that. I've just been turning up at the at the meetups and supporting the meetups, obviously, with sponsorship um, and trying to, trying to promote uh, the meetups because I'm just so focused on on that since I've been back. It's just it's great to see um, these meetups happening. So that's been really my my main focus. And then obviously just uh, doing you know regular push for for Zapright online because I think that's where the my real customer base is is like the online online payments, hosted checkouts, and and online payments. And so uh, yeah, I mean it hasn't been uh, a focus as I said, but uh, definitely you know the more time I spend here, the more I'm the more I'm looking to do that. But you're a sponsor of the meetup. That's not nothing. And also, if anyone yeah. is thinking about starting a Lightning or Bitcoin company, uh, maybe they could talk to you because you seem to be coming from one of the hotspots of Bitcoin tech development, Austin, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always happy to talk to people about uh, about that because, um, you know, that's something that I was quite nervous about, um, quite new to to startups and all that stuff as well. And you don't really know, you don't really know what you're doing. You don't have answers to all the questions and you've got a ton of questions when you're trying to start a business, just all about like legal aspects and company formation and funding and all that kind of stuff, hiring Um and just basic, just basic roadmap issues about like protocol and what the best way to, to build on Bitcoin is, because we've all got ideas about different products, but we're not necessarily sure on on how to actually build them because the protocol is obviously like moving so fast. But yeah, happy to discuss any of that stuff. So if anybody has any questions, you know, hit me up, um, you know, find me on Twitter or uh, or ZapRite app is the, the ZapRite Twitter account. Yeah, I'd love to discuss all that stuff. And obviously any way that I can help. I'm, I'm definitely open for that. Especially if you're Irish, you hit up John and uh, bugger him so that he has to take a Guinness at a local pub, maybe that 900, that pub from uh, year 900 something. Mary was about to ask a question. Yeah, I wanted to know if ZapRite is the only Bitcoin company that is uh, done by an Irishman or there are other ones that we don't know of yet. Uh, there's there's definitely a bunch. Um, I think skilling mining was mentioned that earlier on in this spaces as well. You know, obviously they're in a different space than the than the the payment space, but they're obviously doing a fantastic job and they're very successful in, in what they're doing. I think they've got like massive potential there. Gary mentioned a couple of Bitcoin exchanges earlier. Um, I don't know if they're they're crypto or Bitcoin only. I'm not sure, but I know there's been a bunch of uh, of Bitcoin um, businesses. And then I know there has been, you know, I mentioned that article from 2011 about the, you know, the guy they thought was Satoshi, but 
you know, there is, there is a longer history of Bitcoin in Ireland. I'm just not fully aware of it. So I would be surprised if there weren't more Bitcoin companies. But yeah, I mean, it's it, if, they, if they are there, the community hasn't been there for them. And I think that's what's hugely important about Gary starting the meetup is actually just bringing awareness that there is a growing community of people now in, um, in Dublin and in Ireland. Uh, so if there, if there are other Bitcoin companies out there, we'll, we'll just keep growing that network. So let's talk about the, I want to hear about the mining companies soon. But before we do that, I'd like to talk to Calm and hear what, what he's doing. Hey, Lucas. Um, yeah, so I'm James. And um, yeah, I don't have my own company or anything special like that. I work for a big company. Um, like Amy said, I'm also fairly young. I'm in my early 20s. And there's definitely some kind of... Um, uh, what would you call it? Um, not prejudice. Prejudice is a strong word. Um, but you lack the credibility. Yeah, you lack the credibility when you're young. And I've been trying to orange pill my co workers, and it's very difficult. Um, at least maybe I'm just not a salesman. I don't work in sales, but it, I found it very tough, right? Um, because I think the way I come across is the, is it's like I'm trying to, I'm too enthusiastic. You know, once once you see Bitcoin, you're too enthusiastic about it and you're too um, optimistic and that radiates off you and people can sense that you're you're crazy and you're off your mind. What do you mean this Internet money is going to replace the dollar and that, you know, everyone who doesn't have Bitcoin is going to, you know, is in trouble? You know, what do you mean? You, you know, you're only in your young 20s. What would you know kind of thing? You know, I'd rather trust my financial advisor or some fiat economist who's telling me what to do on mainstream media you know you clearly have been reading up on too many twitter posts and you don't know what you're talking about you know so i i get it so what i do to orange pill people and this did work i eventually got through to my boss right what i did is i i sent on the fidelity digital assets bitcoin paper research paper that they did it's called bitcoin first so if any of you want to google fidelity digital assets bitcoin first you'll get this PDF come up and Fidelity obviously are very accredited. Uh, everyone knows who they are um, and they're not some young moon boy, Wen Lambo, Jordan Belfort wannabe, if you know what I mean, uh, that people think I am. Um, they get to see Bitcoin first, PDF paper. And what I like about it, my boss, this was feedback uh, she gave to me. She said, um, I read the paper and I really like it and I want to buy some Bitcoin for my pension. How do I do it? Um, I was like, you know, great, you know, um, you might buy MicroStrategy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can't exactly buy Bitcoin at the moment, but MicroStrategy is near, en near enough going to follow the price of Bitcoin. Her feedback was looking at the, um, the grid on the paper that compares gold, Bitcoin, and fiat currency in like a table, right? And each of the, the rows of that table are the properties of money. So you've got durability, divisibility, fungibility, scarcity, immutability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And as you would probably guess bitcoin ticks all the boxes except for like history or longevity or whatever whatever you're going to call it and she said yeah this this is what kind of made it click that it is just a better form of money bitcoin is not some investment it's kind of just a, a better money and that's why because of its scarcity property it's going to go up over time um i was like yes finally i've got something it's you know Bitcoin is not something that you you trade back into bad money. Once you've got good money, you don't trade it back into fiat currency. So fantastic, you finally got it, kind of thing. You know, it's like um, it's like Rich was saying earlier. He was saying that um, property 
uh, such a big thing in Ireland, and it is. You know, the Celtic Tiger was all was all Jude's property. Um, prices uh, skyrocketing, and you've got to think property was being used as like a store of value because you can't print houses in the same way you can print money, or at least it's it's difficult to print houses because you've got to build houses, and that's a form of proof of work, right? So I think people do kind of understand this at a fundamental level that there is value to things that you cannot print. Uh, and that's why the Irish are so crazy about property. But it's only when you've got something that's scarcer than property that comes along, such as Bitcoin, then perhaps the incentives shift and the property price goes down as people um, FOMO into Bitcoin. And I might be able to get myself on the housing ladder eventually, let's hope so. Yeah, I'm still living with my parents. Not ideal, but hey, I'm stacking Bitcoin. I'm, I'm happy living with my parents and stacking much better than going out and uh Barely stacking any sats, sats, you know. So, have you convinced any uh, colleagues or your parents? Yeah, so uh, I've got a member of my family who is also a Bitcoiner. So it's good to have someone in the house as well that I can bounce off of, and uh, we can we can talk to each other whenever there's something new happening in Bitcoin. As you'll know, there is always something new happening with Bitcoin. Um, so it's good to be able to bounce off off someone like that. But uh, yeah, I don't have any colleagues apart from my apart from my boss and um, maybe a few others that are interested, but haven't properly um, looked into it. But I think the role I play is kind of saying the word Bitcoin enough that they think it might have some merit and that there is something to look into, you know. Um, because there, I do think there is a bit of ageism where I I, I know I'm young, I know it that doesn't help my case and that if i looked like jerome powell and said that i have a phd in you know what i mean if i had a master's in finance or whatever they might go oh okay yeah this bitcoin thing i should look into but uh, no i but you know it's good to be early you know i'm not gonna say i wish i was older because it's great to be so young and to understand bitcoin as well it's going to be a journey I'm, i'm looking forward to it but uh no, once I've accumulated enough sats, um, I will hopefully um, be able to quit my fiat mining job, get myself a Bitcoin job, maybe in El Salvador or um, Texas or a good country. Well, nothing wrong with Ireland. I do love Ireland. I just, you know, I mean somewhere that's going to adopt Bitcoin. You know, that's kind of what I mean. So, yeah, that's that's my plan. Um, any questions, fire my way. You know? James, I have a question about being young. I thought about is that, when I was, uh, you know, entering working age, um, the things weren't as dark and dystopian as they seem to be now. It just seems like a really tough time to be entering the job market and starting to try to try to buy and you know some place to live. These things just seem so out of reach for the generation uh, coming now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like Absolutely. Ponzi schemes been going on, and now it's dumping time on you guys. So so how do you how, how do you think about, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. There's, like, my friend group that I had um, pre-pandemic, um, we, I think that there, people do understand that there is a problem with the money, right? Because these universities, the fiat academics, are teaching young people like myself, because I've only just graduated from university, so a lot of the people I'm with went through this fiat ac- academia system. Right? They, they learn that there's a problem essentially with billionaires having too much money and that their solution is to tax the billionaires, give it to big government, and let them distribute it, or socialism. You know, I don't want to get too political here, but you know, a lot of my friends would 
proudly define themselves as socialists because they do fundamentally understand that there's a problem with distribution of wealth, right? And they don't they don't put together the Cantillian effect, right? Of maybe it's the fact that we've got such a poor money that the rich are rich because they invest in assets and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And that's why young people are so frustrated. So I'm not surprised to see the world in it, or young people and my friends especially in the, the state they're in where they're so desperate to get on the property ladder and they can't afford anything and they're working desperately hard. Uh, and even if they were to be able to move out, they've got to take out a mortgage they'll be paying off for the rest of their lives. You know, it's, it's tough. The property prices in Ireland are insane. You know, so I, I try and get the Bitcoin message across, but, you know, it, I think it's because my friends know me. <laughs> uh, that, that kind of uh, detracts from um, the arguments I try to make about Bitcoin being a better money because they, they probably suspect that I'm in it to make, to sell it eventually for fiat money and to make myself fiat rich, which, you know, us Bitcoin maxis all know that it's fix the money, fix the world, not you know, fix the money and trade it for a, a, a shitter form of fiat money so that we can all be rich and buy Lambos. But yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, it's tough, you know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that was great. Okay, so we have Jaime. Jaime is one of the uh, co-founders of Global Bitcoin Fest. Uh, he's a staunch advocate for El Salvador. He writes uh, articles for Bitcoin Magazine about the situation in El Salvador. He lives in Canada and he's one of my absolute favorite uh, Bitcoiners. So nice to see you again, Jaime. Long time no see. Uh, please go ahead. Hey, Lucas. Uh, hey, thanks for the kind words. So I um, I shared a, a book in the in the backroom chat, How the Irish Saved Civilization. And uh, one of the interesting things uh, also here in Canada is that um, we have a, um, a community uh, of Gaelic-speaking uh, folks in Nova Scotia as well as uh, Newfoundland, and, and their accent is very much Irish. When you hear a Newfie or a Nova Scotian from certain areas speak, you think you're talking to an Irish person. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that you guys are um, doing a lot of good stuff uh, with Bitcoin and uh, and you know keeping uh, true to to maxi values and principles and uh, yeah don't let the shit coiners uh, infiltrate because uh, even now with uh, some things that are happening uh, within Bitcoin uh, it's gonna it's gonna get even more difficult to 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 stay true um, so so yeah and. and super excited and just just wanted to come out here and, and just um you know say good job i'm thinking of the uh huge diaspora that uh, el salvador has it's actually a little bit similar to the situation of, of ireland but ireland has uh, a longer time running that uh, kind of uh, movement out of ireland and also, uh, I think the diaspora is larger. I, I, I don't know if the number is correct, but um, it was something like 40 million Irish descendants abroad or something. It's just huge diaspora of uh, Irish. Okay. And um, Jaime, do you have a question for the group as well? Anything you thought about during the conversation here? Yeah, well, um, 
you know, I know that you guys were talking about uh, circular economy and just, you know, how that happens uh, during the meetups and whatnot. But but are there any efforts like uh, I, I know it, it tends to be less needed in uh, in, in European and uh, and well-developed economies. But are, are there any communities or it's fairly sparse right now? So uh, I assume that you're talking about kind of Bitcoin communities, meetups. And uh, as far as it goes, we, we only have one um, Bitcoin meetup uh, in Ireland at the moment. There is one in Northern Ireland as well, a Belfast meetup, I believe. There is some crypto groups here, but a lot of us don't really attend them. Um, other than that, I have been speaking to a guy, uh, two guys around the country um, that are potentially thinking about setting up a meetup. Um, I have been trying to nudge them in the right direction, but as of yet, nothing. But I, I would hope to see more. I'd love to kind of travel around the country and go to different meetups and chat to different Bitcoiners. I would like to cover the Bitcoin mining company that's been successful in, in mining in Ireland. It, does anyone know more about that? Could they share? Yeah, um, Mark Morton and uh, Stuart, I can't remember Stuart's surname. Uh, I, I've met Mark on two different occasions. I actually went down to Cork when I heard about uh, skill and mining. Uh, I heard about it and I said, I have to go down there and meet him. I sat and had coffee. I drove three hours down, had a coffee, and then I drove three hours back just for a conversation. But Mark is a, a great guy, super smart. They are mining. Uh, one of the things that uh, Rich mentioned is they're mining Bitcoin with uh, anaerobic digestion, which is basically you, you co collect uh, cow manure. You put it almost like in a plastic bag and you put some kind of other bits and pieces in as well like say um uh, food waste food and that and um the microorganisms let out methane methane and then they funnel that in and use that uh, to generate kind of electricity to mine uh bitcoin currently i'm aware of one place that they have it coin telegraph has done a 14 minute segment on that it's really cool mark also tells me about a number of different kind of projects that he has going on as well um one is a company that has um solar power and they have an excess in solar power so they they, they were turning on fridges that had nothing in it to use this power up so uh, i think was the grid wouldn't get overloaded don't really know but that's what mark was telling me so they went in an easy sell and uh, they're using solar power to mine bitcoin so there, there's there's a few different places in ireland now mining his name uh i, I can put you in contact with mark morton if you want okay yeah that that that's quite interesting uh definitely uh would like to hear more about what they're doing um i'm not i'm not very deep into mining so yeah i don't know what i would ask so uh for for me uh it's more of a interesting to to know um high level what they're doing so anyone has a add-on question to uh, about this this mining company that's doing methane mining right or what what do i say natural gas mining? it's an anaerobic digestion okay the technical term anaerobic digestion yeah. am i pronouncing it right yeah it, it, 
it's basically just a load of waste products put in a plastic bag. Uh, have you have you ever had, um, say, for example, a packet of chicken? Okay, and uh, the plastic as it starts to go off, the plastic starts to rise. Uh, you know, have you ever seen something like that? Like it, it starts to inflate, so the gas is kind of escape to put it more crudely think about this it, it, it using uh, 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 farts <laughs> as a, a a kind of a source of energy and that that's essentially what they're doing fart mining more uh, pretty much yeah with cow shite <laughs> a more pleb term okay that's super cool and do you know if they're exporting this uh do, are they mining uh, only in Ireland now or in other countries as well? Um, anaerobic digestion is, it's, 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 there's not a lot of places in Ireland doing it, but I know they, they, there's a lot of places doing it um, in the UK. And I know there's a lot of places over in Europe uh, using anaerobic digestion, whether they're using the excess energy. Most of these big places that are using or are doing anaerobic digestion are connected to the grid. And it's a lot more economical at the moment to sell to the grid, especially here in Ireland. But if they can't sell any more to the grid, they use it uh, for Bitcoin mining. And if you do watch that Cointelegraph uh, mini documentary, it's very informative. It's really good. Brilliant. Could you share that with uh, in a tweet? I'd love to uh, reshare it and post it in the thread as well. That would be great. With those words, I suggest we start wrapping up. And uh, we have a song, an Irish song relating to uh, saying goodbye, maybe, uh, or at least uh, it has some uh, proper emotions. Uh, Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor showcases the emotional depth and storytelling prowess of a wonderful Irish artist. It's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away I go beautiful and uh, it's time to say goodbye it's time to say a couple of wrap-up words each one of the awesome bitcoiners here would like to hear your thoughts on the space and uh, on anything else that you want to share with us and the audience 
And um, maybe we kick it off with uh, Glasgow Bitcoin that's um, joined as a guest from outside of Ireland. Uh, please uh, share a couple of thoughts. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you very much for for putting this together. It was it was really great uh, to hear the the awesome progress that you are making over in Ireland, and I'll be I'll be following it really closely over the years, and hopefully hear a lot more orange pilling going on. And I'm really looking forward to meeting you. I'm sure our paths will cross many times. So just thanks very much. It was uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining and uh, hope to bring you on to another space soon because we're going to cover different parts of uh, the British Isles. So uh, Mary will for sure ping you because uh, she's the one coordinating that. Look forward to that and hearing more about what's happening in Glasgow. And um, Mio, would you like to go next? Um, yeah, thanks for inviting us on. It's been um, educational. Uh, the Bitcoin space I find amazing and it really, really teaches you what's wrong in the world and fix the money, fix the world. It's really true. And that's kind of um, when I'm trying to orange pay people, that's where I go with it. You know, I explain inflation and, you know, explain about the money printer and, you know, constant war, perpetual war. And Bitcoin, I believe, can fix all that, you know. So fix the money, fix the world. Get involved in Bitcoin. Boom. It's never too late. And Mio is a great Bitcoiner in the uh, second half of uh, the century of life. And uh, yeah, great to see you and great to hear your stories. Hope to see you in person maybe someday uh, when we... Uh, I'd like to come to Ireland and see the splendid nature. We didn't talk enough about the splendid nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Bitcoin are Bitcoin people are a different type of people. They're a good crowd to be hanging with. Okay, so, and um, all good, Mister Calm James. Yeah, uh, similar to Mick, really. You know, thanks for having me on, Lucas. Appreciate it. Fantastic tunes. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the discussion. Yeah, fix the money, fix the world. Follow me on Nostra. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. And I think it's really important uh, to hear also the stories of the younger generation because somehow uh, it looks really uh, dystopian and dark. Maybe Bitcoin can really be hope for the younger generation to discard the bullshit that the older generation has left after them uh, to the younger generation. So thanks for sharing the uh, that perspective. Um, I appreciated that. Our co-host and eminent Gary, Dublin Bitcoiners, super inspiring work you're doing with the meetup. I can hear that everybody in Ireland uh, are really excited about the work that you've been doing. Uh, even though it's very recent, it seems like it's been having uh, quite an impact on uh, the community there already. Uh, please share with us a couple of wrap-up words. Uh, not much left to say, but uh, thank you. 
Uh, thanks for reaching out. It's great to speak to different Bitcoiners around the world. Uh, I, now that I know that uh, this space exists every Sunday night, you've got yourself a listener. Other than that, keep stacking. Well, well, and thanks for bringing everybody. This has been an awesome space. Uh, thank you very much to Mary for bringing uh, Dublin Bitcoiner and organizing it. And I've really appreciated to hear the Irish story. I didn't know that much about Irish history until today. Uh, I read up before I called my father and uh, I'm really eager to go to Ireland to see that rich history. 15,000 castles. Oh my God. And uh, to see the uh, original Celtic culture, uh, at least parts of it, that would be, uh, yeah, a thrill for me uh, traveling to Ireland. And just hearing what's happening in Irish Bitcoin community is very inspiring. It seems like uh, there's a meeting place, there is a community organizer or organizers, there is some tech companies, there is also a bunch of plebs orange pilling. And uh, with those different ingredients seems like it's a place that's ripe for growing bitcoin adoption in the coming years um, so look forward to tuning in later and hearing what you all have been up to and uh, how it's been going and we are global bitcoin fest we do these spaces once a week listening to one community and what they are doing a bitcoin community bitcoin maxi community we only feature Bitcoiners on our show, Bitcoin Maxis to be more precise. Go Bitcoin Fest follows only our guests that have been on the show so that you know if you follow any of those guests or maybe all of those guests, you know that you're following Bitcoiners from all over the world, more than 50 countries we are following through the Globe Bitcoin Fest handle so you can get pure signal from worldwide. And with those words, I want to thank the amazing Irish Bitcoin community. Please follow all of these guys. Please follow Mary, follow the Globe Bitcoin Fest handle. And we are at the last part. And the last part is saying goodbye. And um, as we have heard about the Irish, the Gaelic, it would be really interesting to hear it uh, spoken as well. I would love to hear goodbye in Gaelic. Uh, how do you say goodbye in Irish? So good night is yeah, slán lát or ihoa. Yeah, that's good night. Okay, and how do you say goodbye? Slán. Slán. Yeah. Is there any more like rough way to say it? No, really. Okay. Slán Gufal, Slán, Slán Awalia, Slán Agusvanakt. A few different ways, but yeah, that's it. You can say uh, Ismachlon Bitcoin, which means I like Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, yeah. I like that. Eslaf one Bitcoin? Ismachlon Bitcoin. Ismachlon Bitcoin. Okay, let's go for that. Yeah. Goodbye, guys. Eslaf. Yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Thank you very much and good Thanks, night. guys. Bye. Long, everybody. Long. Goodbye. Bye bye. bye. And we have a last song, the ending song, and it's 
No one less than Luke Kelly and the Foggy Dew, a hauntingly beautiful tribute to the Irish struggle for independence. And I can confirm this song is very beautiful. As down the Glen one Easter morn to a city fair I there are mad lines of marching men in squadrons past me by no fight did hum nor battle drum did sound its dread tattoo but the angelus bells o'er the liffy swell rang out through the foggy dew right proudly high over dublin town they hung out the flag of war twas better to die neath an irish sky than at sulba or Sudalbar. and from the plains of royal meath strong men came hurrying through while britannia's huns with their long-range guns sailed in through the foggy dew was Britannia bad our wild geese go that small nations might be free? But their lonely graves are by Sulva's waves or the shore of the great North Sea. Oh, had they died by Pierce's side or fought with Calbrew, their names we would keep where the Fenians sleep neath the shroud of the foggy dew. But the bravest fell and the requiem Global Bitcoin Fest Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. 